This episode of the Old School Red Hill Podcast is brought to you by Gray's Restaurant. You know, they opened the doors 75 years ago, September 15th, 1945. World War II had just ended, so I'm sure that was a hot topic as people came in and had their first drink and their first meal there at that familiar location in Bridgeport. You know, many businesses and people and heck, even countries have come and gone since their opening, but... In the meantime, nothing has changed as far as what they do to provide quality food and drinks, and and that's never wavered. They continue to cut their own steaks on site and bread the tenderloins and the famous catfish dinners. And let's not even talk about the cheeseburgers. I mean, we know those are the best that you can get anywhere. Four generations of the Gray family has taken part in this business by now, and they've left their impact on the the city of Bridgeport and, and definitely the county. Don't forget to check out the Facebook page. They post their daily specials for lunch and and any other specials they may have for dinner right there on the Facebook page. And if you want to call and place an order for pickup, call 618-945-9501. Just like we talk about on this podcast, you can go home and there's no meal around there that feels more like home than at Gray's Restaurant. Every step I take, I know that I'm not alone. You take the whole from the well, another episode of the Old School Red Hill Saluki Sports Podcast, and we are going to go back home to Bridgeport, Illinois, and Red Hill High School. And we are going to concentrate on the fall of 1988 and take us through the summer of 1989 and that school year. Well, I'm going to do uh, the uh, spring of 89. Working on the summer of 89 is Mr. Chip Jamerson. Hello. Can't wait. Great summer. It is. And who's going to handle the wintertime basketball season, wrestling season for this episode is uh, Mr. David King. Maybe one of the best overall uh, winter sports seasons in, in, you know, Red Hills ever had overall. Yeah, best ever, no question. Yeah, wow. So yeah, I like it. To it. I like it. And then to lead us off the uh, the future as we sit during this eighty eight eighty nine school year, the future quarterback of the Red Hill Slukies, Mister Gary Emmons, take us away for the fall of nineteen eighty eight. All right, guys. Well, we uh, we all know what's leading up to this fall season, but it was one of the most anticipated football teams in some time. Um, even though coming off three straight two and seven years, this uh, this team returned 13 seniors, 13 lettermen, and there was a lot, a lot of excitement coming into this football season. Um, I'm sure David King was on the team. Chip was in the high school at this time. I know uh, I'm sure appetite for destruction was just running wild through the locker room, through that whole the double days and uh, the practices leading up to the first game. Basically on re- on repeat, <laughs> all, all falls. <laughs> as, as it should have been, for sure. Yes. As it should have been. Welcome to the jungle in Paradise City, especially. So. And you, uh, you know, it was really an incredible class of athletes. Uh, you know, these same guys will be probably talked about throughout this whole podcast, but uh, just incredible, incredible talent. And uh, these guys played uh, on this football team for several years together yep. and uh, – like I said, three straight two and seven years. And uh, 
it was time and these guys that were ready for the spotlight and ready for a, for a good season for sure for a good uh, senior season let's set the stage here real quick so i i graduated in 87 so i'm i'm a couple years removed i'm at vu at this point chip where are you at now what class i'm a sophomore in high school at this point and Did dave? not play football okay dave incoming freshman Ooh. little never played football in his life just scared it basically freshman scared to death <laughs> and gary's is eighth grade for you or seven yeah, yeah yeah eighth grade okay. eighth grade year for me awesome so coach evans returned uh again for for another season and uh which would have been his last season he, yep. he retired at the end of this year um he had coach kendall and uh chris golf were his assistants that year just three coaches that year chris golf really i didn't remember that I'm assuming golf ran the special teams, I'm guessing. And Kendall was the coach. Kendall was defense and coach uh, Evans did the offense. I think, I think, uh, I think uh, Chris, I think he also, I think he was our fresh off. I think he did the fresh soft coaching as well. I'm probably, yeah, I'm sure. We, I don't think we didn't have enough. I don't think we had enough fresh off to like, we didn't have enough to practice every, every day or anything like that. But um, he was like our coach, like during the game, you know, during our games. And I know Dave's going to get into that basketball team later, but Coach Goff was also uh, assistant on that great basketball team that we were talking about. So, um, yeah, this coaching staff basically is the same coaching staff that goes into the winter, exact same staff that will coach the uh, uh, basketball team. Oh, wow. I think like a lot of years, Coach Evans always came up with uh, slogans coming into the year. And, uh, you know, six or more was always big. And I think that was on the on the preseason shirt and, I think it was state in 88. Why not? Or why not? Why, why not state in 88? Yeah. yeah. Why not state yeah. in 88? So, yeah. you know, I think everyone knew going into the season that this team had the, had the horses to, to win at least six games for sure and make the playoffs for the first time ever. Um, I thought it was interesting look, looking at some of the preseason that uh, uh, stats that uh, in the article talking about Waco had announced that uh, the FCC had allowed AM stations to extend their hours, but at a limited power. Um, with that being said, that meant that they could now broadcast all the Red Hill football games on AM for the first time ever that year. Really? Huh. Interesting. Uh, Pat Clark and Rob McKinley on the call. Um, you know, Rob then called games for many, many, many years after that until his, uh, his passing. Um, so I thought that was really interesting that the FCC, I thought that was strange with, uh, the AM radio station. Yeah. I didn't yeah, know nothing a, about that's that. That's good info. Yeah. So, you know, looking at this team, you know, we're talking about these guys coming back, and I kind of just drew up uh, the depth chart a little bit just on my own going through the article. Ooh, I like that. You look at this, and, uh, you know, you look at this offensive line coming back this year, and, you know, J.C. Brookhart was the anchor at center. The guards were uh, junior Shane Brown and Dan Lizenby. Then you had J.J. Gentry and Jimmy Worth as the, the bookend tackles there, and that's already the making for a pretty darn good offensive line uh, uh, to lead, you know, uh, the the – skill players with Lance Smith was the tight end. You had Stacy Moore as the, as the wide out at that point, uh, coach ran pretty much exclusively ran an eye formation with, uh, like with a slot back and, a uh, slot back and wide out were on the same side. And, uh, Travis Reinhardt who had missed a good chunk or maybe all of the 87 season was back for that year. And I'm pretty sure remembering, a, a J, uh, a Jesse Meadow also, I think rotated plays in with Travis that year. Then you had the sophomore Brandon Smith at fullback, and then of course Mark Ambrose coming off a, a thousand yard season in '87 returned as the the stud tailback. 
uh, uh, that year. So, you know, you look at a typical Red Hill, though, you look at the offense, that's pretty much the same guys that played on the other side of the ball for a lot of, a lot of the part. You had guys like Daryl Huddleston and Mike Gray played quite a bit and were big com- contributors on defense. And Doug Reed was a senior on that team as well. So had a really good nucleus. And, you know, I think Red Hill any year would take 13 seniors yeah. on the team just about any time, you know, for if you sure. look at that. And so it's kind of an extraordinary, extraordinary and, year for and sure. Talented, and talented athletes as well. Right, yes. yeah. And all of them were good. And like I said, several of them played multiple sports. And uh, like I said, we'll get into that here, here in a little bit. Um you know, that year was uh, a little bit different. We let off with Casey that year, not knowing uh, that was kind of a, a foreshadowing of what was going to happen uh, uh, 10 weeks later when we played him again. Uh, but you let off the season with Casey at home that year, and I kind of thought it was interesting. I always looked at Joe Jones, you know, the fearless pigskin picker, so I was kind of using him as the as our guide for this. And you know, coming out of the year, Joe uh, had Red Hills an eight-point favorite, and we come out and, you know, pretty much dominated 21-6 to six that game. Rambo's and but as and as I talked about in the Coach Evans podcast, the, the season got off to a a bad start. We I think we received and we punted, um, and they returned the punt for a touchdown. So we're yeah, down six yeah. zero just like that. Mm. And so, but they never scored again after that. And yeah, it was real um, early on. Yeah, real early on in that game, and then we come back and score three unanswered, and and uh, you know take a pretty easy win. I thought it was real. The entire game, Coach Evans in the article uh, was applauding the referees in the entire game. There were three penalties for the for both teams in the entire game, which is probably unheard of in any high school game, let alone the first game of the season. But uh, I thought that was a real, real interesting, interesting stat for sure. Yeah. Uh, something else I noticed looking through those papers, you know, you talk about movies during that time. And some of the movies I noticed that. At the same theater at the same time in Vincennes was Die Hard, Cocktail, and Young Guns all playing at the same time. You know, could, iconic movies at this particular time that uh, now that we look back that still stand the test of time. People still watch and enjoy those every year. But if, those, are the, those are the movies at the time there. If anybody listens to uh, Bill Simmons and The Ringer, his podcast, they just did a uh, – they've got one called The Rewatchables where they really deep dive into a movie and they just did Cocktail. It was real interesting. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, when I when I think yeah, Kokomo big time. I think oh, of the right. football. See, every time I hear Kokomo, and I know a uh, friend of the podcast, Gene Allen, he was a big fan of the song Kokomo. I always connect football and Gene Allen, Kokomo, connect those three things together. The Andrews family comes to my mind. Doug and Jamie Andrews. They liked it too. Kokomo. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody liked it. I guess we could probably name any family <laughs> in Red Hill. Do the Yorks like Kokomo? We'll have to. We'll have Who to didn't? ask. We'll have to check in with Clifford and see what the. You know, then we go into week two, you know, one and oh record. Uh, week two always got Salem. Salem, we got him at home that year. And I think that, you know, going into it, Salem ended up having a little bit of a down year. But of course, week two, you're looking at Salem. Uh, Joe actually made us a seven point favorite, came out and won that game 26 14. Wasn't, you know, it was a, a pretty competitive game. Uh, but for Red Hill to beat Salem, by pretty convincing 26-14 that, you know, I think that the confidence is running real high. Oh, yeah, yeah that's the that. point when people thought, yeah, okay, we're, we are actually pretty good. Yeah, that always always meant something. You know, talking about Guns N' Roses earlier, um, you know, that that week, a sweet child of mine was inching up the inching up the, the charts at that time. It was the week of uh, September 5th, 1988. It finally hit the number one uh, on the Billboard chart.
sitting at now 2-0, and feeling good about things. And then, of course, we get the Saturday afternoon homecoming game at Mount Carmel. It's always a challenge. You know, they always have 60 guys dressed and ready to play at any moment. And we're, we're probably playing maybe 15, 16 guys at the time. And it, it, was a, it was a rough game. Got handled pretty good, 39-8. Clifford, I think, turned his ankle. Stacy had to play quarterback for a while. Stacy ended up getting hurt, too. So it was a, it was a pretty, pretty ugly game. Um, of course, hot as, as you know what, and uh, it was just a tough game for us. And you know, uh, you know, uh, Joe had us as a as a six point dog, and you know, it wasn't even close. And so, st- two and one, it was going to be a tough challenge. And I remember going to that game, and it just it's kind of just a defeating feeling when it's ninety five degrees and you're sitting on the concrete uh, up at the pit, down at the pit, and uh, you know, just kind of a demoralizing. Dave, did you dress for away games? Were you able to go to? Those no, games? I was just about to say that was the one the. Uh, only freshmen that uh, dressed were uh, Ethan Donaldson and Chad Hill. Um, we had actually me, John Phipps, and Matt Schrader had a FFA livestock judging contest somewhere up north, somewhere up north, like Champaign that day. So that's the only game I didn't go to all season. Um, but I remember we were all excited because we thought, you know, thought we had a chance to win. And, you know, we we're trying to find the game on the radio. We finally find it, you know, halfway home. And, you know, it was, it was out of hand by, at that point so at that point we were just glad we were we were glad that we uh that we uh hadn't gone but uh that that was probably the only yeah, it would have been the only football game i didn't go to my all my four years of high school if you would address that game would you have gone up to the oh, livestock show if i would address for the game we would have won i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> You lead in, uh, you know, between uh, that week, sometime between the week of the 17th and 23rd, another iconic movie debuted that that week. Uh, Tom Hanks and Big debuted at the movies that year. So I know probably every single one of us saw that at least once at the movie theater and probably many more times after that. Just a fantastic movie. And that leads us to uh, going down to Carmi for for week four. Um, Interesting in that game. We did win 24-6, but... The biggest thing, Stacey Moore kicks a 35-year-old field goal to set the school record that time. I'm not sure if that record's been broke since then. Seems like somebody said it was broken. I don't know who would hold it, though. Carlos Zambrano, I don't know. Yeah, but I just like to say Carlos Zambrano on the broadcast. (laughs) It's an opening for me to say that. (laughs) If someone knows the answer to that, uh, uh, shoot us a, a note on the Facebook page. We wish what it was are the easy. odds of Red Hill having a kicker named Carlos Zambrano? I just thought that was amazing. <laughs> like right during like the peak of his like at the height of his career. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, that was also a game where uh, Mark Ambrose and Shane Brown both get ejected from the game, and uh, three Carmi Bulldogs got kicked out of the game too for some fighting and whatnot. So. You know, a little feistiness coming out in that game. This is the that's uh, the ejections that we talked about on the Bill Show, right? He got kicked out. What I don't know if that was the same. I think it was the same game that Bill got kicked out. But I think Reverend Ambrose also got booted off the sidelines. Yeah, go back in the archives and listen to the Bill Evans uh, uh, episode, the first Bill Evans episode. We're gonna have another one, and I believe we talk about that in depth. And then coming into uh, music-wise, you know. Bon Jovi, uh, Bad Medicine is now released in September of 88. Didn't end up hitting the number one chart, uh, number one until November of that of, uh, that uh, fall leading into winter. But I know that was a great song for that team, and they listened to it a lot, and I think we all did at that point. But uh, Bad Medicine was, uh, was a wonderful song by Bon Jovi.
And Gary, that's great that you put that song in right there. I mean, it's perfect timing because I actually bought the uh, New Jersey cassette tape at Target and Mount Carmel on the way to the Carmine game. Oh, wow. That's when I got wow. that. Yeah, so that was, yeah. we did not plan that. We did not plan that out. No, we did was, Now, did you, was it a single or did you buy the whole, the whole album? The whole, the whole New Jersey. Wow. Yeah, the whole yeah. album. Right around that time, I thought it was interesting, September 15th at the uh, school board meeting, that year, Sarah Waite was hired as the girls' basketball coach for the junior high. I don't think that was her first go-around. No. It looked like it was a rehire, but I think she must have stopped for a few years, but the, it was named that she was rehired. So um, you know, a little bit of sports sports there with uh, junior high. Yeah, she was definitely the coach when I was in seventh grade because I was at a junior high girls' basketball game, and while they were war- the eighth-grade team was warming up, a ball th- flew into the crowd, and – I picked it up and and being an idiot instead of just you know tossing it back to someone, I decided to fire a shot from the second row of the bleachers, shot an air ball and hit um, Susan Newell in the face who was trying to prepare for a game. Big red, I don't know if it turned black. Big red eye and and needless to say, um, Coach Wake came over and and gave me a little lecture on what an idiot that I was. So um, no, yeah, she was definitely she was the coach. My two years. Of, so if she. If she had left the position, it was a year at most because I'm pretty sure she was a junior high coach when I was there in '86 and '87. King, so, do you remember who would rehire? Just uh, every year, just rehire the coaches. Every year may have been one yeah, might have been because they're one year contracts. So. so we're sitting at three and one, heading into week five, going down to Fairfield. Uh, Joe had put us as a 21 point favorite, uh, 40 to 13 win. Ambrose rushes for 246. Um, you know, ho hum, no biggie there. Week six was a big one against Olney. Um, Olney came to came to Bridgeport to play us. They were sitting at four and one at the time. So you know both teams with uh, four and one records um, lived up to its billing. Uh, Joe put us as a three point favorite. We end up winning thirty one twenty six. Hadn't beaten Olney since nineteen seventy seven. Wow. Uh, my, my memories of that game, besides the you know we'll get to the playoff game later, but uh, besides that game, that was the best game all season. I, I thought, you know, just as an observer yeah. on the sideline, it was, it was, it was an incredible game from start to finish close yeah, look- and just pull it out, you know, pull it out. I, I can't remember the exact details of how it ended, but I remember it was, it, it was down to the wire. Uh, we, you know, we weren't sure about a victory till the very last. Yeah. Well, it was just a fantastic game. You know, we talk about the same guys we'll be hearing a lot of, you know, uh, uh, Mark rushes for 185 yards. Uh, Clifford's nine of 14 for 143 yards, and Lance catches six of those for 105 yards. So, you know, pretty uh, pretty impressive offensive stats uh, all around, and you know, holding holding only late to to come up with that victory, and you know, still sitting at that uh, you know now now five and one, and uh, feeling very very good about things. But unfortunately, that's going to end um, the next week, um, week seven. Uh, we got we go two four. Uh, they were not good. Uh, we were picked to win by 24. Uh, not not good at all. And uh, we were tied at the, uh, I believe no. We just we only won 14 to nothing that game. Coach Evans came out and said that uh, you know it was the worst half of football he's ever seen Red Hill play. I think it was zero zero at halftime. If not, um, not not a great game at all. I'm not not feeling good. But that that did win us our sixth game, playoff bound now. Which everyone was excited about that. You got your six wins that game, which was a of course, typically every year, that's right. Coach Evans' goal of every year is to get to six wins and make make the playoffs. So, you know, as 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 poor as the boys played, it was still um, 
still happy at that point just because, you know, we did make the playoffs and that had been secured. Uh, going back to music a little bit, um, the week of uh, the, the week of uh, October the 8th, 1988, Def Leppard and Love Bites hits number one on the charts. Uh, and my memory of that is, you know, the success to top 10 at 10 and hearing Love Bites come on. I used to love that song. What a great song. Great that is. song. Right, my favorite. Right, my Farming is an important American tradition. That's why People's State Bank has been working with farmers and their families since 1875. We've had the privilege of serving a wide variety of livestock and agricultural needs. As a community bank, we take pride in the personal relationships we've built over generations. From bidding on animals shown by young farmers in the 4-H ring at the county fair, to welcoming those same farmers into our offices with their first business for the family farm, our customers are more than an account number in a computer. From a sporting standpoint, People State Bank has been a longtime partner with the school districts, sponsoring academic projects, athletic teams, travel, uniforms, and much, much more. We have also been proud to support Pack the Place for the last 10 years, paying everyone's admission for one of the county rival basketball games each year. Find convenient locations in Sumner, St. Francisville, Lawrenceville, and Bridgeport. People's State Bank thanks you for allowing us to be a part of your lives and appreciates the opportunity to serve and give back to our communities in this way. We go now homecoming week, and if you hear of ever uh, anybody that ever played for Coach Evans, you knew he always talked about homecoming week and the boys not having their minds on football and all the all the uh, ragtag stuff that goes along with uh, building floats and all the running around we used to do back then. And unfortunately, the hangover continued. Uh, Oblong comes to Red Hill. We were a big favorite, 28 points, Ugh. and it was tied tied 14 all at half. Um, you know, between between us and Oblong, and and not feeling very good at that point. We ended up coming the, coming back come back to one big time, 42. The uh, that halftime in my four years of high school, you know, of course Evans was only there for three. You know, wasn't there my sophomore year, but that was the maddest I ever saw that man. <laughs> that that <half> time. <laughs> You could you probably you could probably hear yeah. him yelling from a mile away. <laughs> I warned you. I warned you. <laughs> but yeah, as I said, they came out in the second half and you know, blew them away. Then it was pretty much six straight quarters of pretty mediocre, under average for that team, under average football, and knew he had more in him. And uh, Brandon rushed uh, uh, had thirteen rushes for one hundred twenty seven yards as a sophomore. Whoa. That was his biggest game that uh, he had uh, that season. Um, something that I always remember about that season too, and you guys probably do as well, is that Coach Evans would run the power eye formation once in a while and bring in Jimmy Worth. And for whatever reason, I'm not sure if the rules have changed, but Jimmy yeah. would put on this tattered jersey over the top of his number 63 jersey. Oh, yeah, and, uh, I forgot about that. Yeah. So not sure why, because of course you can put a, a lineman number in the backfield now, but that must, or maybe yep. Coach Evans didn't know the rule. I don't know. Who knows? But It was always a cool moment, though, when you saw oh, the, yeah. the other jersey coming on Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, it's like, well, it's kind of a Wes Unseld moment. I mean, it's what it yeah. feels like to me. Now, that brought excitement. Whatever reason, I, you feel like I'll this, tell you what. I would. I wouldn't want to try to tackle him. On the other team. Yeah, this crazy, this crazy animals coming in. To play yeah. right you know, I, I was thinking when I was doing some research, and obviously Jimmy will come up for a lot, a lot when I'm doing my baseball. Um, 
I, I've always thought that Jimmy Worth is the most like Jimmy Medlin of any athlete um, other than the wrestling stuff. But football, baseball-wise, they were almost clones. Um, super tough, uh, played hard, hit you like when you'd stay I'll, hit. I'll, you know, one thing about Jimmy I always remember, you know, as I kind of alluded to it earlier, you know, I'd never played football in my life. I'm 5'1", five, five, 130 pounds, you know no idea what to expect first day of practice i have to hold a uh tackling dummy for jimmy word and watch him get like a 15 yard head start. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not, not dirty not nothing dirty about it at all just i mean just you knew you, know, you were about to get yeah, hit you, you knew you're just gonna take that hit and <laughs> go flying <laughs> well, i think all, i think yourself, all, so. i think Oblong thought the same thing because i'm a four- <laughs> On fourth and one, he's he's brought in and they hand it to him on a dive play, and he goes thirty nine yards for a touchdown run in that game. So with I two jerseys, feeling the, feeling the same thing. Who was homecoming queen? That was homecoming week. Who got the queen that year? Uh, Sonia Moan. Sonia Moan, right? Yeah. Escorted by Lance Smith. Lance Smith. Yeah, that's uh. I I was I looked at that yearbook earlier today, so I shouldn't have jumped in so quick on that. It was. Were they in? Uh, I love. Were, were I they love in item at the time? I think I they were maybe. Were they kind of dangerous? Good, they, uh, good question. I forgot about that. Good question. I was I thinking know. they were. We may get answers in uh, some point to that. <laughs> we, have, we, we may have an answer before the show is over. We'll have to send a text <laughs> message out. <laughs> it's going out right now. <laughs> okay. Something to get off football just for a moment. You know, as an eighth grader, we were starting our junior high basketball season, and we uh, one of the early seasons was the round robin uh, tournament for us, and. That year, we hosted uh, Almy St. Joe, Albion, and Flora. And uh, probably, you know, I, mean, I know I played against Mike Rogers, and I know, I know uh, Coach uh, Baker, he talked about Mike a little bit in his, uh, in, in his podcast. But that was probably the – even though we played against Mike a few times, that's the first time you're like, okay, this guy is – this guy's got it. He's good. And um, when we beat them for the championship, we played them in the last game. Him and Stevens basically were just trading baskets. And I found the article, I think – I think Mike Rogers scored 32 or 34 and Bobby had like 29 in that game. And wow. you know, for, for junior high, you know, you don't see guys scoring that many at times. Wow. There was a shootout, but that was, uh, you know, we were able to, to win that tournament. I think it was the third year in a row that Red Hill had won that, won that tournament. Um, no surprise there probably, but um, was that a, was kind of a little bit of a change to the St. St. Joe had a Trupiano on that team. I think so. Seems like I always think of Trupiano and Rogers, like being a, one two punch. I mean, mo- mainly most of the punch come from Rogers, of course. But oh yeah, um, oh yeah, he's he scored about all of them, I think. So, uh, you know, that leads us now. We're going into week nine, and um, you know, coming off a couple of a uh, couple not so great games, and Lawrenceville was they had a decent team that year, and they they were uh, you know I think early season people kind of looked at this game as might be the one that may make make decide who goes to the playoffs. Of course, we'd already already uh, clinched our spot, and. Uh, you know, at some point we may have to get into this more. I just know I remember, and there was some controversy leading that week. I think a prank gone wrong, and uh, uh, J.C. Brookhart and Clifford had a little scuffle. And we don't know all the details to it, but I know there was a prank that didn't go well, and Cliff took the took the rough into that. So you're going into week week nine, having a great season, only lost one game, cruising toward the playoffs, and you got a little bit of a dust up between uh, between the players. But obviously, they were able to get it together. Uh, just dominated the game against Lawrenceville. I would, I would love to do a podcast just on this uh, topic. 
It could be a good one for sure. I'm sure there's a lot we don't know. But, we uh, could the, have. The rivers uh, ran rampant around Bridgeport for sure. Yeah, it was a hot topic. Be, it'd be fun get JC and Clifford both on here. <laughs> that could be fun. Yeah. yeah, I would love to do that. <laughs> Clifford didn't affect him at all. He had probably the best game, probably as uh, and maybe the best game a quarterback's ever had at Red Hill, possibly. But he was 10 of 12 for 261 yards and threw four touchdowns against Lawrenceville. Dominated him one big time. And, you know, that. Uh, that that ends the the regular season, and uh, you know that's when that's when really the excitement gets rolling and gets started. We got uh, the t-shirts and the sweatshirts and the hats and everything start being made in the first playoff appearance. And we made state in '88 shirt. And I don't know how many of those sweatshirts were sold that year, but probably as many bunch. as they've ever, ever had before. Yeah. I, I don't. Do you still have yours, anybody? I do. What it was one of the more short-sighted uh, decisions of my of my life. Ordering a medium, ordering a size medium. <laughs> so, so obviously, it's not uh, it's it's not uh, going too many places these days. But uh, they 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 are still uh, they are still in my closet. I do not have mine anymore. I I don't know what would have gotten into me to like get rid of it, but it's it's not made. Now the was there's the- not it hadn't held up the best. It, I think all the all the like lining on the inside is pretty well gone. But I mean, it's still shell if it's still there anyway was let's see what, what was on the back was it the schedule or the team names we made state in 88 was a sweatshirt that was on the back um, that was on the back yeah that's right it's just like a, a football with like right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay now i'm picturing it state, yeah, yeah and just like, i and i had a, some there was i had a, a blue sweatshirt yeah there, there was a there blue sweatshirt too that had all the uh had all the scores on the back okay that's, that's what i'm thinking i had yeah that's what i had yeah. I had the white one with We Made State and AD on the back. I had both. <laughs> I I still have both. Did you get them both in medium, Dave? Uh, yes. <laughs> plus what? the We Made, uh, plus the six or more uh, preseason shirt in, in a medium as well. <laughs> you know, coming out of that season, Mount Carmel wins the conference 7-0, have, has an 8-1 uh, final record. Uh, Ambrose finishes the, the regular season with uh, uh, 1,317 yards and 19 touchdowns and wow. set him up to play college football. Um, Clifford had a fantastic year. He was exactly 50 for 100 passing for 798 yards, threw for six touchdowns. Lance and Stacy had 18 and 16 catches, respectively, two and three touchdowns. Jimmy Worth has 122 tackles that year, which in a nine-game season, that's pretty pretty yeah. fantastic. Uh I mean, a couple of those games he probably wasn't playing, but not, uh, there towards the end. J.C. Burkhart led the team with six and a half sacks uh, that season as well. So, you know, they did it back then the same way. You have the Saturday uh, evening drawings. Again, we talked about in the Coach Evans podcast, yep. but, you know, you, you have a Saturday night drawing and your first playoff games on a Wednesday, which I just don't well, can't believe yeah, they did that. Yeah, that's, I, looking I, back it, at that, I can't believe that happened. Yeah, and I said it then. I have no recollection of that. I just – I always picture everything being on the, you know, the following Saturday, that Saturday, yeah, Wednesday yeah. completely escaped me. Oh, there was a game the following Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah right. No word Wait. update. No word yet from Lance on, on the Lance, uh, Sonya saga. Damn. He'll get it. You know, to play three games, you know, in eight days is, I mean, that's just for, for, for anybody. Yeah. I ha- I just have no recollection of that at all. That's crazy to me. So the Wednesday night in Red Hill, um, I remember where I was pretty much there. There wasn't a whole lot of room to move. There were so many people there. I know I had I was perched on the 
somewhere down the the north end zone on about the 10 yard line is kind of where I hung out. I was, right along I was the, up a little down. further than you. I was probably, I, I don't know exact yards, but I was on the north, north side, maybe closer to 30 yard line. I'm not sure. But I'm I, sure every, everyone listening to this knows this game and it's just a legendary game yep. zero to zero at the end of regulation. Um, you know, after having a pretty easy victory over them early in the year, um, they had improved throughout the whole year. And, uh, so did we, and uh, you know, you have a, a nothing to nothing tie. Then you go to the first overtime. Um, Ambrose scores in the second play. We make the kick, and they score on their first play. So two really quick touchdowns uh, to tie it up at seven. Uh, second overtime, Casey's got down to fourth and two. Uh, they hit a two-yard touchdown pass and uh, get the two-point conversion. So we're forced to score. Um, course in typical Bill Evans fashion on first down he tries a he tries a sweep he tosses it to Ambrose and Ambrose tries a pass and it failed but then Clifford uh Clifford quickly makes a 10-yard touchdown run and we get the two-pointer um to tie it up 15-15 all you go to the third overtime and uh quick quick option to Ambrose scores a touchdown and Stacy gets the extra point to go up 22-15 Casey then on first down hits false start so on their first play, and then Stacy got beat for a 15-yard touchdown pass. I think he was beat earlier on that two-yarder, too. It was his man. Come on, Stacy. You know, Stacy had a little bit of a lapse, but he he also he, he saved the saved the game on uh, 22 to 21. And Casey's gonna go, gonna go for the victory, go for two. And I still remember that. It was at the yep. north end zone. Like Stacy oh, yeah. everyone says that he came out of nowhere and drilled that guy at about the one yard line and knocked him out of bounds. And you know, then uh craziness ensues and red hills won their first playoff game in school history and it was just bedlam there at red hill that night did you dress for that one dave yeah yeah we were there that's the best atmosphere i can remember at a red hill high school game other than maybe later on in the 90s like maybe the playoff game against mount carmel you didn't have a hog show or anything that day or what now you didn't have a hog show or anything that day to go nothing that day so (laughs) but um yeah it was it was just a fantastic game fantastic atmosphere i mean that one of my one of the more memorable high school football games i've ever seen in my life so it was yeah it was fantastic uh, absolutely fantastic football game you know get, getting a uh, kind of more on the pop culture thing going through that you know a couple of the other notable movies that came out that fall uh i don't know how often something like this had happened but u2's rattle and hum came out in the fall of that year which a uh, documentary concert type movie probably wasn't uh, that didn't happen a whole lot back then and of course, the Halloween series, Halloween Four, came out around that time. Um, and TV, and uh, I guess fake sports, if that's what you want to call it. But for us wrestling fans out there, Ted Turner bought uh, Jim Crockett Promotions and renames it WCW in October of '88. Oh wow! So that was a <laughs> Kurt Gibson's iconic home run on October 15th of '88 in Game One of the World Series to beat to beat heavy favorite Oakland, and then of course they end up sweeping that series, I believe. And Gibson never never played another inning in uh in that world series i i remember i watched that uh at our house that home run with tony bingo holman Ooh, that'd been great uh um, you were probably there probably was <laughs> and chip probably was too if i maybe not that if it was a school night wasn't wasn't there that night? i was yeah i was actually um i remember where i was i was in my bedroom watching that game but and, and fall uh, fall tv season was in full swing and you know Got the Cosby Show and Cheers and Roseanne and A Different World and a lot of great TV shows. I think we all probably spent a lot of time with Les uh, uh, 
other types of uh, media to keep our eye on. We all watched a lot of TV back then for sure too. So some great, great TV uh, during that fall season that led off. Uh, you know, now we, now after playing Friday, Wednesday, an emotional uh, triple overtime game, and we draw uh, number one in the state, Carlisle. And, um, you know, I, I think no one probably has too many great memories except we advanced to the Sweet 16, and, you know, you feel really good about that, but have a, uh, you know, fairly nice size uh, bus ride over to Carlisle. And from what, you know, all accounts uh, was probably one of the worst weather days that there ever could have been for a, for a November, early November with rain and wind and it was cold. And um, I know everybody that I've talked to, I didn't go. That was a DNS video in a bases loaded baseball tournament on Nintendo. So I'm not sure why I didn't make it, but maybe we saw the weather and decided that that wasn't something we wanted to partake that day. But um, One of the you... coldest I've ever been in my life. The, all the freshmen did uh, dress for that game. However, I was on, I'd broke my foot in the final fresh soft game of the year. So I was on crutches on the sideline, which was, infinitely worse because i didn't you know couldn't you know couldn't dress couldn't when it started raining i was trying to get my cast covered up so wouldn't get all wet and it was just a it was just an awful just an awful day i'm gonna test my i'm gonna test my memory here gary did you make it to the finals and play shane dozer in that tournament I don't remember that. I think you did. He was there. I know he was there that day. I'm pretty sure. I know you played him, but I think you played him in the finals. <laughs> so, Brian, did you stay back to watch Gary at the tournament, or <laughs> were you in Carlisle that day? I remember being in my bedroom with that game on the radio, so I don't know I don't okay. know why I didn't go. I'm guessing it was more weather than anything. But I did also did not go down to Deb and Sabre's video store and, and watch that tournament either. <laughs> Sorry, Gary. Hey, that's all right. I, I think I, I'll just I'll proclaim myself as the bases loaded champion. I don't know if anybody's going to remember that. Or should I text Shane Dozer? That. I forgot DNS was Deb and Saber. I forgot what DNS stood for. So thanks for throwing that in there. No problem. So it was a twenty-eight nothing loss. Um, I'm sure the guys that played in that game remember. Um, I don't know his first name. His last name was Dahl. D A L L. Guy rushed. He was the fullback, and they they ran the wishbone attack and. He was he had 40 rushes for 237 yards, and I think he just, I think he just best basically the one guy beat Red Hill in the submission that day, and uh, just a real ugly game, and uh, it was a really somber end to just uh, probably at that point was the greatest season by far Red Hill had ever had in football, and uh, it was a sad way to go, but you know it came with a lot of good uh, accolades and uh, awards at the end of the year. Of course, Coach Evans was named Coach of the Year in the NEC. Uh, and Mark Ambrose was named to the, he was conference MVP, um, team MVP, of, of course, and the first team all conference. Jimmy Worth was the dirty dog and the headhunter award. No surprise there. He was first team offensive lineman and linebacker and punter. I was going to um, say, he was a really good punter too. And yeah. I think he went to college, um, Triton college, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds um, right. Yeah. As a, as a, and was a punter for them. And uh, Stacy was first team uh, defensive back on, on that team too. And I was looking back and I can't remember, I think maybe the Olney quarterback was first team all conference. And um, was it Simpson for Fairfield? Yep. Um, I think that's right. I think he was second team all conference and Clifford probably got screwed out of that, out of not getting first or second team. And after being at a couple of those, uh, myself, a couple of those NAC all conference meetings, those things would get pretty heated. So I can't imagine I'd like to probably at some point talk to Coach Evans about a few of those if he remembers, because the those would get pretty uh, 
Mount Carmel would nominate just about every one of their kids for first team. And it was, it was really some interesting stuff. So I'm sure that year with as many studs as we had and not everybody making uh, the first or second team was probably, uh, there's probably a little controversy there, uh, I'm sure. So, you know, that, uh, that kind of wraps up the football season. I did think it was interesting in the, the board meeting in November. We did see that Washington School was sold to Moore Brothers for $10,595. So Washington School was uh, obviously it hadn't been utilized in some time, but at that time it was now out of the Unit 10 and on to Moore Brothers after being right there across the road. Um, but that's going to kind of wrap it up for, for what I had for the fall. I said it was a Wonderful memories for me as an eighth grader, looking up to all those guys and those athletes, and uh, you know, just a, just a great season. That awesome. that makes sense. Why we? Because that I know Brian will get into the spring sports, but I remember our early season baseball practices were out at Washington School, so I'm sure we had with that more connection there. Uh, well, I don't, did did, we, did you guys practice at Washington School before that? Like when you were in school, Brian? O, yeah, we did occasionally, and I have a feeling I know why that the practices were out there. It was. <laughs> Dave can probably attest to this. It was another incredibly wet spring. Lots of stuff was canceled, and and I know we would go out there when the the field was just too muddy. Right, you so, had a huge open grass right, area yeah. there. All the sports that spring had a hard time getting started, so I have a feeling okay. that's why that's why we were out there. All right, and that leads into me uh, with a recap of the uh, winter sports season of uh, of the eighty eight eighty nine. Uh, when I volunteered for this one, um, didn't quite know what, didn't quite realize what I was getting myself into because all of a sudden, you know, I was thinking basketball, of course. And then I was like, oh my gosh, we had a great wrestling team that, that winter as well. Uh, plus, a, obviously, the girls' basketball team as well. Yeah, for um, sure. And the, you know, the girls' basketball team and the, and the men's basketball team is one that we want to do deeper dives on later. But so I'm not going to get super, yeah, super detailed into you know each game or anything, but uh, just kind of wanted to hit some of the highlights of the season. But uh, but yeah, going into that uh, basketball season, uh, lots of expectations for that team. You know, that whole class had had success. Obviously, their whole all way the up. way through. Yeah, all the way through. There's is their senior season. Uh, I do want to ask you guys can maybe chime in on this. I did not remember that Mark Ambrose had knee surgery and missed a good part of that season. Um, was that surgery? Was he hurt in football that year? I I, I can't re- I'm I guessing- remember him missing a lot because it's when Brandon stepped into the starting lineup. So I, I remember him missing the season for an injury, but I did not remember the, I don't remember all the details. I know, I know Matt and Mark both listened, so I'm sure they can you know, help us out with that. Yeah, I just I was I, I had kind of forgot about that. It it just in the yearbook it just said, you know, he had returned mid-season you know mid-season from knee surgery that explains why when i when i in in my time in the paper it was talking about the postseason nec awards and it said that mark ambrose got a special mention um and and i wasn't sure what that was but there you go it's because okay. he, he was injured But by the time we do the deep dive on this team we'll yeah. have all we'll have all the details sure but uh Basically, your starting your starting lineup for that you know for that season was just loaded. You had Lance Smith at center, uh, Stacy Moore uh, was as a guard, Clifford York, uh, Dave Hobbs. Actually, Dave Hobbs would have probably been the starting center. Lance would have been more the power forward. Um, and then you know Brandon Smith, you know Brandon Smith, and you know he said, as Chip just said, stepped into the starting lineup. He would have got a lot of playing time regardless. 
Um, then you had Mark Ambrose returning later in the season. You had uh, Doug Reed, Gene Allen, Ronnie Collison, Eric Holtz. Um, also getting you know a lot of playing time off the bench for you know, a team that had a lot of success. Ended up as co-NEC champions for the year. Um, you know, other than were, other than Hobbs was was probably your prim, primarily a basketball player. All of these guys played everything. I mean, it's the same cast yeah. of characters in yeah. in every season, yeah. which is cool. And that's just one thing. I, when I when I was thinking about during the when Gary was talking about the football, I mean, it's the same cast of characters. And if they're not on the basketball team, you're going to hear them on the wrestling team in just a moment. Yeah. But they talk a lot about chemistry in the locker room and so forth. I, I, and they still do today. Just such great chemistry with this group. I mean, such close friends, and they're still close friends today. Um, I, I think that plays a role in success too. Sometimes yes. it, maybe it's overrated, but these guys definitely had great chemistry. All around great athletes. Is this the greatest class that's gone through? That was my uh, thought. I, I think I think when you're looking across every sport, it's yes. Oh, well, across every sport for sure. Well, if, yeah, I, I think it's. I can't now. Maybe else. late, you know, later on. You know, I'm not as familiar with Red Hill stuff after. Say, yeah, mid, uh, yeah, 90s. and I'm not either, right? So, but I don't think you had anything close to this. And right. and and honestly, and I was going to wait till the end of the podcast to bring this up, but you're yet you a nice segue. Not only on the field and on courts and and all the different sports but in life like these guys went on to do some some really good Mm -hmm. things and they still do so i don't know i guess that that could be its own podcast we can we can debate you know all these classes but it'd be hard it'd really be hard pressed to beat this one but you know later on in my high school career you know obviously we had a lot of success in basketball as well uh but everybody you know just kind of within their own you know in, in their own sport but all around um I mean, th- I mean, one of the reasons we chose this school year was because really top to bottom, it was not a weak link in right. any of the sport. I mean, right. yeah. everybody's, everybody was good. Speaking of weak links, we still do not have an update from Lance Smith on, uh, on Sonya. <laughs> so we're, we're going to continue. Our crack staff is going to continue to work on this. But, uh, so the team, the, the team did open the season with a loss, a uh, tough loss to Flora, but rebounded after that, uh, had you know, won several games in a row. I'd say probably the highlight of the of the season up, you know, especially up to that point, uh, was a victory over uh, state ranked undefeated North City. Yeah. In the uh, in the Carmi Invitational Tournament, um, I remember that's one game I did I not go there. to. Yeah. I, <laughs> I really wish I really wish I had, but after that, but um, uh, then we followed. That was in the semifinals. We followed up uh, followed up the next evening with a. Uh, tough loss to Harrisburg, I believe, in the would have been in the finals yeah. of, of that of that tournament. Good Harrisburg team, but I was shocked. I mean, after beating yeah. North City, I mean, I was like, okay, I'm sure thought we would definitely win the championship the next night. So that was definitely right. a shocker, a letdown game. What do you think the average attendance was for those guys, uh, basketball wise, at Red Hill? I'm horrible at like estimating attendance, so I'm I have you no mean idea. You mean at Bridgeport? Yeah. That might be it's hit. close to three. It's close to three thousand. You know, between two and three thousand when you put all the extra bleachers in. So I, I would be willing to bet average attendance. It was somewhere. I bet it was a thousand to fifteen hundred. I'd almost bet. Oh, I bet. Oh, the yeah. people, those you know people like Cameron Vince and so forth that only know two thousands Red Hill basketball. Um, I think they'd be shocked. I mean, I know Mike Smith posted a picture one day of a game. It was yes, a Tuesday night yes. game against Casey. Yep. And the Casey bleachers 
and this is a non-conference game back then on a it may have been a Friday night game. I'm not sure if it was Tuesday or Friday, but it was packed on that side. So you know it was right. packed around the whole horseshoe. Sure. And you look at the pictures of games today and the student section back at the in the end zone, it's um, I mean, there's hardly anybody sitting there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it, it's and it's not just a red hill thing it's, no it's, it's everywhere Correct. yeah everywhere except for bar reeve they yeah. <laughs> bar reeve's like 1980 88 89 and ridgeview where i teach at now is kind of similar to bar reeve in that sense too we're a small small school and we're they still put in pretty big crowds but yeah. um a lot of schools it's nothing like it was in the 70s and 80s right anyway and 90s yep anyway yeah so after the tough loss to um harrisburg and the uh Carmi Invitational Tournament. That was in Jan- that was in January. Um, so we get back on the right track, um, get some get some victories over Carmi and Lawrenceville, uh, and then big late season matchup with Flora, um, and we knock we knock them off. Um, I believe that game was that was at Red Hill. Yes, that was at Red yep. Hill, the late yeah. season game. It was um, it was a great moment because we I mean they were the kings of the conference. I mean, and to this, knock them off and to go into first place in the NEC. This was a was and huge. this was a Friday night. I'm a little confused by the scoring by by the the list of the games that year. I always had it in my memory that we followed up that Friday night victory with the dreaded Saturday night road trip to Salem. That might yep, be right. That's exactly yeah. what happened. Uh, okay, yeah. they've got a they, we've got a uh, Fairfield game in between there in a yearbook and I No, I they, was, they got out of order. Yeah. For, I, for sure I thought that was a Salem cuz we that we had to go to <laughs> we had to take the 90 minute bus trip to yeah. or actually probably 2 hour bus trip to Salem the next uh the next evening and got and got knocked off by Salem. The next I remember evening. I remember walking into the gym that night of the floor game and I came in the back door there by the coach's office and Jerry Leg was standing there Stacy's uncle and and uh, I said Jerry I've been really I've been waiting on this game all week and he said Brian I've been waiting on this game my whole life (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it was it was a very yeah it's like the um you know the the letdown and we we had that big win over Norris City on a Friday night then lost to Harrisburg on that Saturday huge win a bigger win over Flora Yeah. yeah Friday night first place in the conference all by ourselves now and then lose the next night to um, Salem to uh, go back and tie for first. Was this Coach Kendall's first year? Yeah. As a head coach? Yeah. Uh Yeah, I was uh, a – Start of a great – well, the next season was – it wasn't a disaster. It it wasn't as successful, you know, wins and losses, but uh, uh, still a winning record, I believe, that year in 89 – in the 89-90 team. Um, You know, basically a tremendous five-year run. Uh, for Kendall, you know, to start his uh, Red Hill career. Yeah. But uh, co-NEC champs uh, head into the regional, uh, knock off Newton, go into the championship game against Robinson. Um, Chip, you want to you want to talk about that game? I don't have that many specific memories yeah. of that game. I, I remember being there. I remember, you know, much like I thought against Harrisburg and um, Salem, you know, I, I – I thought we were going to re- win first regional I've ever seen yeah. in my that I've seen in my lifetime. We'd won one in my lifetime, but it's two. Um, so, yeah, Robinson was good. I mean, this is a good Robinson team. It's not like we got sure. beat by a poor team, but yeah, it, right. it was disappointing um, yeah. that you know this was the best team that any of us had ever seen at Red Hill, and to lose in that regional championship game. But I honestly, other than just the disappointment, I don't have a lot of rec. I 
I went back and did skim an article on the game. But I don't have a lot of yeah. you know exact. They just played out of their minds. If you know what what this what story was, it was final score was looks like seventy one to sixty one. Uh, Dave, probably. I stepped I stepped away for a moment earlier. Um, did you get into the Mount Carmel win in early January at all? No, I didn't. Okay, I know we're gonna do the deep dive, but we got to at least touch on that game. That was an inc- I dressed JV that year, so I was so I'm gonna because I'm gonna mention a JV game. So I was I was actually part of this of this team, uh, you know, at every practice and and at all the games, the bus rides and so forth. So that game at Mount Carmel was one of the great nights, and I know I'm pretty sure Brian and Gary were down there that night. But the JV game, I I went back and reread the article. I think we were down 17 in the JV game, maybe 19 in the JV game, and. Um, Ronnie Cullison and Eric Colts just went, went crazy. They went off. <laughs> and we ended up um Holt we were tied, I believe Holtz at a three at the buzzer uh to win the win that JV yeah. game by three. Yeah. So and and then the varsity game, I think we were down by eight or nine points. Uh Clifford came, I went back and reread the article, hadn't hit a three-pointer all season in the final couple of minutes, hits two three-pointers to tie it. And then late in the game, with like six seconds to go, it's tied, I think 57-57. Stacy gets a steal on the wing, comes down, pulls up from 16 feet, hits the shot, the buzzer to win it. Yeah, so to go down to Mount Carmel and win two buzzer beater games, that night was good. Weren't you guys there? I, 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 was, there. There. I, was, I was not there that night. I I remember here, of course, I remember hearing the stories yeah. afterwards. I I don't know why that has to be one of the great nights in red hill history just the way those two (laughs) games ended so but yeah that uh unfortunately wraps up the uh the basketball season i mean great great season great class um you know sets the stage you know sets the stage for some you know for some future success um but uh yeah let's move on to the uh to the wrestling uh to the wrestling season which I had just, you know, I knew we had a good, I knew we had a lot of talented uh, wrestlers that year, but I had just, I just kind of forgot how, how loaded that, that squad was top to bottom. I mean, we had three guys qualified for individual state, individual uh, state tournament champagne, which is, you know, out of a small school. Yeah. Uh, Basically on that squad that year, you had Darby Wagner, who was a, you know, wrestling star for all, all four years of his high school, you know, career. Um, you have Brian Wells who wrestled 135. He all Darby went to Darby was one of the state tournament qualifiers. Uh, Brian Wells was a uh, wrestled 135. Um, now I think Brian, I think he was only at Red Hill for one year and maybe not even the whole school year. I think this is his one year at Red Hill. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't glad, have glad to have him that year. I didn't have any recollection of, of he went know. like 30 and five, what 30 and five, 30. He may have even just said it three seconds ago. I don't know, but I think he won over 30 matches that year. And that's, I guess that's maybe why if this was his only, only season or even semester or whatever at Red Hill, maybe that's why I didn't have any recollection of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jim Worth, Jim Worth, you know, mentioned earlier, um, I, he was the, at one 189 pounds, he was, uh, I would say the star of the team that year, um, had an incredible 35 match winning streak uh, wow. at one point in the season. Dang. Um, he was just but, so strong. Oh yeah. Um, qualified for, you know, qualified for individual state, you know, as well. Um, 
I just remember when he got when he got beat. We just, you know we're just kind of yeah we're kind of shocked right <laughs> exactly like, you know didn't didn't think that was even didn't think that was even possible but uh, probably stayed the hell away from him for a while yeah um Les Baker uh was the heavyweight wrestler that year um J.C. Brookhart wrestled at 170 in the 172 bracket I believe I may I may have my brackets off by a pound or two but um he was a, he was the next he was the next class below Jim, Jim in the weight class. Um, also on the team we had Spencer Vaughn, Shane Brown, Kelly Tidwell, uh, Bobby Baker, um, Dennis Hill. Um, as I mentioned, uh, Brian Wells before, uh, Tommy Widener, um, Ed Zachary, um, and Randy Baker. Drury um, Huber are still the coaches here. Yes, uh, uh, Coach Drury and Coach Huber were both were co head coaches on this team. Talk about a great a great tandem of coaches throughout the oh, years. Yeah, for with, sure, for sure. They will definitely get their own podcast as well. Yes. Yeah. Wells was 33 and one going into the state tournament. So, wow. Um, I, I got that Brian Wells record for you. Yeah. I can't place that guy at all. Jim worth, uh, was the most valuable, uh, Call it says the most valuable player award. Uh, we'll call it the we'll call it the most valuable wrestler award. Uh, most pins, uh, most takedowns award goes to Dennis Hill. Um, as I uh, and as I mentioned, uh, you know, in the kind of the roster recap, uh, Jim Worth, Darby Wagner, Brian Wells qualified for the state. The team, the team itself uh, went to uh, sectionals, I believe. And uh, were beat by Tolono Unity in the se- in the team sectionals. Um, Tolono took, I believe, nine of the fourteen matches. Oh, wow. uh, the one uh, Jim Jim Worth did win his. Um, I did I did see in the, in, in the recap. So but, he beat uh, Molina that night, then for that afternoon. <laughs> Maybe that was what I was saying. I, if anyone remembers this and want to update it on the Facebook page, because I've been. I've been picturing this like my whole for the last 30 years. The, a, a guy named Juan Molina beat, beat Jim Worth. He was the one that snapped his winning streak. And I was thinking that the two squared off later and Jim beat and Jim returned the favor and, and beat him. Well, if if Molina's from Unity, then what you're saying here matches up with that because Yeah, and now and that, and that, so this Unity must be re- in that unity recap, I did not. They didn't mention anything. They didn't mention okay who he beat or anything. But right. I've got this in my head somewhere that Jim that Jim got got revenge on him later on. But and I don't know how all the wrestling ins and outs work. Maybe they sent Molina out that week, you know, because I don't yeah, know. Sure, they got enough yeah. points. I don't know how. I don't know the ins and outs. Hey, I I, I need to break in here for just a second. We have, we have breaking news. I have heard um, from our friend from Missouri, Lance Smith, has texted me back. So my question was, during the we're doing the 8889 podcast, were you dating Sonia Moan when you escorted her to homecoming? His answer is, honestly, I don't remember. We dated at one point, but not sure if that was the time. So. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> so uh, thanks, thanks, Biggie, for checking in with us. That's awesome. So that's my recap on the uh, on the wrestling on the wrestling for that season. Um, anybody else have any thoughts or memories? From I, that I just I I just Jimmy was just so dominant. 
you know, oh, yeah, he yeah, was just I, he was just so so dominant in wrestling and 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 what a see what a season he had or what a school year yo, he had sure. sports wise. Um, I'm not hey, sure. A big season coming up for you, Brian, here in a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I. Yeah. I've already looked ahead. I know the end of this story. So what a great, <laughs> what a great year he had. One of the uh, listen. One of the great uh, school years athletically in history. I'm sure. Um, as, and, as a before I transition to girls basketball, I will uh, since this falls during my season. Uh, do you guys who remember who got the uh, snowball king and queen uh, that winter? I'm gonna. Mike Gray's jumping out at me here. Oh yeah, Mike yeah. Gray. Okay, good. Mike Gray and Christy Battleson. deserving take, champions. Take the uh, take the eight, 1988 snowball queen and king. I'm assuming I'm assuming that dance was in December. You know, in December yeah. of '88. Um, so for music, um, in the December of '88, uh, "Look Away" by Chicago spent two weeks at number one. Okay. Absolutely fantastic song. It is a good song. Didn't come out for another year, but I would say most people, even if they wouldn't admit it, had this tape in their car, uh, especially my junior senior year, the Chicago's Greatest uh, Hits, 82 to 89. This school year was a great year for music. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It was. Also, um, in December of that year, uh, spending two weeks at uh, number one uh, towards the end of December, um, every rose has a thorn by voice. I always love when that guitar came in right there. God, that's good. That's, <laughs> that's really good. good. Jamie goosebumps right there. <laughs> um, also, uh, we'll skip ahead to February. Uh, we got what, three weeks at number one, uh, Straight Up by Paul Abdul. That's one of those. I don't remember that song. Uh, that, that, that song's a sophomore in high school year uh, song for me. I don't remember it being number one at that point. That point, but hey, that's the song that that was the that was the song that launched everything for about three or four okay. year domination on the charts for Paula Abdul. But that's the one right. that got everything going. She had a good run. So with wrestling and uh, men's basketball, I'm going to transition into uh, the girls' basketball team. Which you might you've talked about a lot of success. I don't even think you've got to the biggest success yet. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and again, we need to we want to do a complete deep dive into not this this season but the whole the whole career of the yeah, cutting hands right. at red hill so this recap's not going to do that justice but uh just to, you know just want to hit on you know what was it just a tremendous successful successful season and unfortunately that team had teotopolis to deal with yeah you yeah. know it, without t-town does that i mean it's hard telling well, win, what I mean. They win three, they win three state, three state yeah. titles of T Town. Yeah, we're basically T Town if yeah. you know if they're not around. Yep, that's a good point. What, what I can for three seasons, I mean, that's the only team to beat them. Right. Yeah, right. It. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. And it's, I can pair it a lot to, and we'll get into this more later, but, um, you know, in a later podcast, Matt Shear um, and, and track never won an individual state title in any event because he's always behind Ryan Shields. They're the same grade. And Ryan Shields, like the most decorated track athlete in Illinois history. And Shear would have been if Shields wasn't his wife. This is the same way. I tell you, Red Hill is snake bitten on so many of these and so many dis- disappointments right. through the years, but just kind of bad luck in a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so this year, I, now I, my first memory of that team was it's been my eighth grade year. So it would have been Mandy's sophomore year uh, going up to Vandalia to the um, sectional final against T-Town. Uh, remember just being a super, super close game, competitive throughout, just an incredible atmosphere. Um, I remember that team had well, Mandy and Mary Martha, I believe uh, Yvette Hutchings. Yeah, she would have been on this team. She would have been, she was like a star. She was a, she was a star on that team as well. So this, so this next season, you lost her. Um, You had Mandy, Mary Martha, um, Cherry Davis, I believe, uh, was one of the starters. Michelle Weiss and uh, Denise Bowser were their were your main were your were your main players with some with some you know contributions off the bench. And you uh, talk, you you mentioned charged atmospheres, and I know that on a regular basis they didn't play in front of the crowds during the regular season like the boys do. You know, you can sure. argue how much that's right or wrong, and just listen, it's just the way it is. But those tournament games just electric atmospheres oh, ab- ab- absolutely um now i don't i have memories of the t going to the t-town tourney um i'll, I'll talk about that here and i guess i'll just talk about that now um the so 26 and 2 record is that correct chip Overall, yeah, that was their final that record. Yeah, lost twice at T Town. Yeah. Lost twice at T Town. First time was in actually the night of the famous Allendale tornado of yeah. uh, January seventh, nineteen eighty nine. But that same night, uh, Red Hill went to T Town to play them in their in their uh, in their hall or. Mid mid midwinter yeah. tournaments, what they call it. But I I kind of I kind of forgot about that game. But uh, that was a it, it wasn't real. Red Hill lost by when they lost by twenty. And yeah, it was, it was yeah. It was tw- I thought it was 20, 20, 20 plus points. Yeah, right. So um, I was reading. Uh, Steve Cunningham, the head coach of the team, um, had mentioned that that the eighty the eighty eight eighty nine T Town team was the best team that was better than the. Uh, team that the year before that 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 had won the state tournament and i think looking at the scores i mean obviously this is a 26 and 2 red hill team and to to dominate and win by 20 22 points where whatever in that regular season game and then to win pretty comfortably in the sectional in the sectional game i would say this was probably the best i know that 90 team was really good too because a lot of these same girls come back in 90 but um probably the best of that three-year run of that 86 team was really good too. And it's kind of, you know, one of the story teams in Illinois history, but yep. I was a little surprised when I saw the score that of the sectional uh, game against Red, uh, T-Town that year. I remember that being closer. Yeah. I, was it a close game that just maybe pulled away at the very last? Well, I, I just I remember. Mean, I know Mandy, like, had, Mandy had like 
36 points that night. I don't remember it being like a shocking in like when we lost it was like that year before or the my freshman year I guess yeah, it would have been right. the 88 game like that was a heartbreaker I remember. Oh sure yeah. That would have been that would have been the one at Vandalia, right? right so the right. one at Van and then this one was at Newton. This one I yeah, I don't really remember how cl- then the close. following season I'm not going to I'm going to get too I'm not going to get too much into like the 89-90 season but the following season of course we beat they had beat uh t-town at the t-town tournament um mm-hmm. one of the best one of the best high school games i attended my entire my yeah. entire high school in my night. high school days yeah fantastic um and then i you know really got our hopes up going into the sectional sectional championship that year and i remember that game not being it seems like that game was got away you know was not competitive yeah, I know the only one that the game, Mandy's sophomore year, that's the only one after the game where it was just like, it was yeah. a complete heartbreaker yeah. that we lost that one. It was a, a, a close loss. Right. It seems like to me. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I said uh, all three of these teams, teams we want to, you know, hit on in more, de- you know, more depth later on. Uh, but the, in the, so we're not here for five hours. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna gonna wrap up my winter sports season and uh, and pass it on to uh, Brian with the spring sports. Season. Yeah, that I'll take over for the spring sports and and uh, you know the success continues for for this and and to wrap up basketball uh, in the March 10th daily record, which by the way the daily record at that time was 25 cents a copy, which I thought was kind of kind of cool, but. Uh, March 10th daily record, uh, they had handed out the North Egyptian Conference Awards. Um, Lance and Stacy both made, both made the first team. Lance ended up averaging 22 points a game, Stacy 17. Jim Locum from Flora. Dennis Messenger from Olney was the uh, most valuable player. He edged out Lance in that. He was the only unanimous uh, selection, which I'm not sure how in the world Lance wasn't unanimous, but he wasn't. Yeah. Go ahead. Messenger was good, but I thought that Lance got robbed on that one. Yeah, I remember that at the time. I was upset at the time when that when that vote came out. Uh, Brian Foster from Fairfield, Matt Fowler from Mount Carmel rounded out. Uh, honorable mention went to Dave Hobbs a Jr. and Brandon Smith a sophomore. And then just to continue and wrap up basketball, March thirteenth edition talked about Carlisle beating Rock Island Almond. 65-56 in the Class A state championship, led by a six-eight All-Stater uh, Tommy Michael. Went to Illinois, right? Went to Illinois. Yep. Uh, Carlisle with the uh, dual uh, football and basketball state championship. That's right. Yep. Yep. Not many. Now the athletic done. director at EIU. I believe, oh, really? Uh, Tom, I, oh. I believe Tom yep. Michael was the punter on the football team. That sound right? Mm. Sure. I'm not sure. I think I, you had told me that once before, I think, and I, I, I didn't realize so. that when you told me the first time. I think that I think that's the case. I may correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the case. Well, we'll go but, with uh, it. De- but definitely, but definitely basketball. Yeah, he went on played all four years at Illinois. Because I remember, I remember after lean Illinois teams, they're right in the middle of their yeah. uh, of their probation. But he was still successful. I had gone to that state championship, and I remember kind of hanging around and watching them get their trophy, and and the entire Carlisle crowd started ch- chanting baseball because they were going to try to go for the three peat that year. <laughs> yeah. Um, a great, great thing in the newspaper. Um, it was on the, it was on the cover of the March 13th edition. Also, um, Bridgeport resident Colin Bud Schick, um, had smashed his thumb on a ladder working on the post office roof and had a picture of the mercy ambulance staff um, repairing his thumb. 
right there on site. So thought that was an interesting thing to put on the cover of the paper. But uh, school board meeting in uh, for Unit Ten. Um, lots of lots of big things happening. Um, girls and boys track was reinstated, um, and all costs were deemed had to be supported by outside sources. Dennis Bowser was the head coach. Dixie Purcell, Steve Cunningham, John Christie were the assistants. Now, did we go a couple years without track? That's what I was just about to ask. I don't no, we ne- we we never went without track. I didn't I didn't realize it had to be need to be reinstated. So it must okay. have been something they were considering, but then they reconsidered before track season started. Maybe maybe they maybe it wasn't in the budget to begin with, and then they had to hire coaches and and everything. I'm guessing. Maybe if we never missed a season. Um, interesting, though, in that school board meeting, uh, two names that will jump out at us. Uh, teacher resignations was Joyce Henry and Constance Irway into their careers um, at that school board Irway, meeting. My sixth, my sixth grade teacher. Mrs. Henry, my second grade teacher, one of my all-time favorites. Was it, what, was, uh, what was her uh, name before Henry? Would have been when I was there. Is it Cra- um, I can't remember off the top of my head. Craft? Um, Is that? Yes. Yep, yep that's yep. right. It's Craft. Yep. Uh, the uh, Lawrence County Chamber of Commerce picks the logo for the Basketball Capital Classic. The first year was coming up. The logo was submitted by VU student John Beam. Does anyone want to guess how much he was paid for designing the logo for the first ever Capital Classic? 50 bucks. 25 bucks. You're right. $25. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that seems really low, but it does. Uh, that first Lawrence County Capital Classic, uh, Basketball Capital Classic, one site uh, just at Lawrenceville that year because Red Hill was still had their obligations. Uh, it was Lawrenceville, Casey Westfield, Mount Carmel, and Providence, Kentucky. I remember sitting at Gray's one night after a ball game, probably the previous year, and, and T Bone had gone down to Arkansas and ref that tournament down there. And I think that's where that idea hatched and and came okay. back and and came up with the capital classic format that's right yeah it was i'm not going to remember it now it seemed like the name of that tournament was like pine the dap, or the dapper dan or something no i no. don't seem like it had something to do with pine tree or something like i thought that. it was the king uh, cotton classic king cotton was that that's what it was it. okay gotcha. yes. <laughs> anyway that's where that came from and then it looks like phil allsman from lawrenceville was was kind of running the show those those first year so thought that was interesting uh, in the March 20th paper, we had a uh, picture again. This is a, a picture on the sports page. It must have been a slow day, but uh, w- uh, a, a picture of things to come. Scott Murray and Justin Shear were playing a pickup game at a house in Lawrenceville with Jim Bartlett and uh, had a picture of that on the paper. So interesting. Good job, Juice and Scotty, working on the game. Uh, in uh, Red Hill Archery, news um a young tommy halfacre finishes second in the youth division with 196 i don't know what 196 is i'm assuming it's some kind of tommy, point Tommy's great with a bow so i'm guessing it's good uh, and, and and brian this isn't the last we're here i have archery news in my update <laughs> so we can so we can we can compare we'll be able to, i got some i got some scores from tommy to share so we'll be able to compare oh, so he's improving okay. from oh. spring to summer that's great. Uh, March 21st, uh, get to know your candidate in Bridgeport, and they actually had a debate. Uh, the moderator, moderator was Terry Andrews, and uh, mayoral candidates uh, Dale Cooper, who had been on the city council, versus Joe Brizard. Big topic was uh, everyone agreed that we had enough liquor licenses in Bridgeport, and while Joe Brizard said we don't need any more, uh, Dale Cooper says he's going to hold judgment. He votes no now on something like that, but if... 
if a businessman with a restaurant came to town, he could be, he could change his mind. Um, number one song, only one week at number one, but I thought this was, thought this was a good one to uh, to start off with. Mike and the Mechanics spent uh, one week at number one, March 25th. Uh, Druthers running a special, two biscuits and gravy and two eggs, a buck 49. Two-piece chicken snack with a roll, $1.29, which I think is a really good deal. But the interesting yeah. part is if you went in there and ordered it and used that coupon, pretty damn good chance I cooked it. So yes, there you right. go. Uh, Mark Ambrose, football standout um, in late March, uh, signed with Milliken. A picture in the paper showed himself, his father, and uh, head coach Bill Evans. Then we get to April 4th, and the the election that I just talked about, Dale Cooper in a landslide victory over Joe Brazard, 471 to 150. I, I think that's an all Adam Street. Like, was that Adam Street versus Adam Street? That would, that? Uh, mean, let's see, Joe Brazard. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. Yeah, so uh, I'm a... We have 75% of our um, team here is Adam Street alums. There you go. Yeah. I feel like I remember you telling me about Joe Brazard pouring people coffee at Druthers one morning. I'm not sure why he was doing that in Lawrenceville. but No, it is a coffee story with Joe Brazard, but he wasn't pouring it. So Joe (laughs) took care or, I don't know, befriended. Anyway, it was a guy from Lawrenceville that that had kind of some issues or whatnot and uh, kind of a, a special gentleman and, he came in and, you know, it was unlimited coffee. Once you paid, then you were fine. You could sit there and drink coffee for a while. Well, they sat there and drank coffee for a while every single day. But the guy that he was with was using like four or five creamers and like 10 sweeteners in every cup of coffee. And by the end of the day, when they leave, he'd have this pile of those little plastic creamer cups and paper from all the so anyway, the manager, or actually it was the owner, Chris Tressler from Vincent's, went out and told him to cut him off, and Joe flipped the lid and said, you can. It says unlimited, and you can't tell us how much he can use. And and I just remember Chris saying, my God, it's got to be within reason. <laughs> so, yes, there was a Joe Bizarre coffee story at Druthers. Um, in other elections, T.J. McClellan dips his toe in the political water, and he defeated a city council member for eight years, Jake uh, Lewis in Ward 3, 178 to 108. Raymond Nessel Road, 183 votes over Phyllis Hart, uh, 76 for another cancel seat. Brad Zellers was uh, unopposed and got 56 votes. So, no, Bridgeport in a huge town, but that seems like a that's really low, low bur- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the well, so the you remember the oh, wards, though, it's but like, he, yeah, it's the wards that get split oh, okay, up because. Okay. So a 470, so 571, so 625 votes cast for mayor out of a town of 2,300, and that includes kids. So that's probably about right. Gas prices went over a dollar. Everybody's outraged. Um, there, uh, There is a delay, which I mentioned earlier, delay in, in the spring sports because of all the wet, wet weather. And uh, Rain Man, Troop Beverly Hills, was playing at the Plaza in Vincennes and the Dream Team Major League and Working Girl at the Showplace. Um, one thing I, I did want to add about the uh, spring of 89, all I, all I heard, heard of the kid was about the spring of 80, the wet spring of 83. Yeah. But, uh, it's funny when you it's funny when you go through those newspapers and you see the TV listings that they put in there on on Thursdays or Fridays and 
I think we could probably do an hour of podcast just talking about those TV listings. Oh, I got the daily record would expand to like 26 pages yeah. <laughs> on TV listings. And, and, and oh, yeah. wow, it's, you know, it's neat um, that they archived all that stuff. And again, thank you to the estate of Dick Poppy for doing that for us. But it's funny, they put like the entire McKim's flyer and, yeah. and archived that whole thing. It's kind of funny. Uh, Nick Faldo wins the Masters, uh, 31-year-old Nick Faldo. And uh, in other news, in that uh, April 6th newspaper, Tommy Halfacre wins the youth division this time. Uh, last time he had 196, he's up to 223. Okay, so 223. Everybody keep that number in mind, and we'll see how he does in the summer. Whatever, uh, whatever 223 represents, that's what he had. Um, it's a lot of bullseyes, I'm sure. So, uh, starting its run of three weeks at number one was this young lady and this very familiar song. Debbie Gibson with the big hit. That I'm sure. Incredible to this day, by the way. All you lovers out there. Yeah, Debbie Gibson does look good. She's been on a few reality things I've seen. Uh, track finally gets started um, there in early April, and the uh, Lady Saluki track squad starts off strong, and you're going to hear these names if uh, throughout the, the spring. April Davis, Mandy Cunningham, Tracy Coltus, all won four events in that uh, in that track meet at Paris, and, and they kicked some serious butt in that. On the boys' side, uh, Red Hill got third um, at Olney. Chad Andrews second in the high jump. Tony Weston in the long jump. And Scott Jackman also a second place in the 110 hurdles. Baseball finally gets underway. The Slukies go 2-0. and um, But the big news is our boy that we've talked about, Jimmy Worth, hit two three-run homers to start off. And uh, Red Hill goes to 2-0. and Lance got the win in that one. Brandon went two for three. School board meeting on the 14th, Bill Evans resigned. Um, so I thought that was the first mention of that, and there's a little bit more coming later when they voted on it. Um, but they also voted no as the pom-pom squad asked for 500 to $1,000. Didn't say what for, um, but uh, that was rejected. So sorry to the pom-pom girls for that. I'm sure you made your money in a bake sale or something, hopefully to get what you wanted to buy there. And uh, you guys might be able to shed some light on this. Um, so this would have been April 14th paper. The school board upheld the suspension of nine Red Hill High School students. Anybody got any news on that? You remember that? No, I, I don't. Okay. I'm not going to. I'm huh. not mad at that, but that was no, nine. No idea. I I noticed in some of the articles I was reading for school board, that was pretty common though back then. <laughs> Nine seems like a big number, but there was always withhold uh, or upholding suspensions uh, at the school board meeting. I don't know if that's still a thing or not. Uh, I don't know. Tracy Coltis uh, won uh, the 100 and the 200 in uh, Fairfield in a three-teamer. Red Hill defeated Lawrenceville in baseball in doubleheader, 4-3, 12-2. Game one, Lance goes 2-0 and on the mound. Or, uh, yeah, goes to 2-0 and on the mound, had six hits and 10 Ks. Game two, Jimmy and Brandon homered, and Stacy got the win. Six strikeouts in that one. Moving down uh, to 18th, um, aforementioned Tommy Halfacre as a freshman gets his first win on the mound, first of many coming up in the next four years on the mound. 
um, nine to nothing over Hudsonville. Gave up only three hits and had eight strikeouts. Big Clifford York hits a homer, goes three for five with three RBIs in that one. Uh, then we get to prom, Red Hill prom candidates, some girl named Daphne Devonshire, Tina Fisher, Robin Andrews, Monica Cunningham, and Mandy Cunningham are your queen candidates. Jesse Middall, Dave Hobbs, Brady Havel, David Seed, and Ashley Hessler. It was listed not pictured. Isn't Ashley in Stacy and Lance's class? No, he's a year. No. Was he really? Okay. Yeah. I for some reason thought he was in their class. Okay, that makes sense. So he, they I'm not sure. Together so much now, it almost yeah, like he's coming. I'm not sure why in the hell he wasn't in the picture, but he wasn't. So, and uh, starting a three week run, April 22nd through May 6th, this song was the number one song in the country. That's a good song. Like the prayer, great song, great video, controversial video, very. Yep. So then we're going to keep just kind of rolling through baseball season. I'm not going to get into a whole bunch of stuff uh, except for some notable games. Um, Lance and Brandon in a uh, 11-9 win over Mount Carmel both belted three-run homers on that short porch there in Mount Carmel. Uh, in track, Tony Weston continues a good season um, at a meet in Florida. He had, had the triple crown there, won the triple jump, the long jump, and the 800 meters. Pet Cemetery, rocking everybody's world at the theater. May 1st, a, uh, paper, Mandy Cunningham and Brady Havel are your prom royalty. And then I noticed uh, a, uh, a wedding announcement, upcoming wedding, Bobby Christie and Christy Bennett had their wedding planned and i always ask this question is it date number one when you mention hey if we got married your name would be christy christy <laughs> yeah that's a great question like and we could get the come, answer yeah. Soon, I would... <laughs> yeah i've been asking this question now for probably 30 years i probably just need to break down and ask bobby sometime <laughs> when that came up because it has to be early uh city council meeting they voted to give the uh City employees, a massive 10 cent raise. Hopefully that was spent well. The police report, five vehicle lockouts, seven dog and cat complaints, two fights, three burn barrel fires, and 15 miscellaneous complaints. I thought it was interesting that we had 15 miscellaneous that didn't fall into one of those categories. I wonder what those were. Uh, softball's having a tough year. Phyllis Shank is the coach, and uh, but she says she's getting some good defense out of Nicole Stevens, which if you're talking about getting some good defense, you're probably not doing well. But that that program is young at the time and, and was that the first year trying to get better. Football? I think eighty seven was the first year okay. if I remember right. I mean, we talked I remember we talked about that. Yeah. Last Yeah, I believe it was eighty seven. Yeah. Um uh girls track Tracy Coltis continues to dominate her and April Davis and then uh there's a medley relay of Monica Mary Martha Mandy and Coltus doing well. Red Hill Chorus doing an, a uh, variety show type deal called Gotta Dance and Gotta Sing. So hopefully they did that well to the. Uh, it was great. I went. It crowd. was a great show. Okay. Very, very, very well done. Just disappointed that I think your senior. I think I. I think I mentioned it on another podcast, but um, your senior year I think was the last year we did a big musical. That Mr. Clymer did a big musical. Yeah, so divorce me, darling. These variety shows after after that so you were fortunate brian you were there for the 
the end of it. Thank you. Uh, and you and you did a great job. And you you weren't just a. It wasn't like you were a spectator at those. You were actually had lead roles in those performances. Yeah, there's there's that's some of those things you don't want to get on off of uh, D or off of VHS and put on DVD. <laughs> but it was it was a lot of fun. Um, and just after the coach, uh, Coach Shank lauded the defense for the softball team, they go to Salem and have 17 errors in a game. <laughs> Spoke too soon there. Uh, uh, picture in the paper, it was kind of an interesting thing when uh, when uh, Jerry Sightsinger from Lawrenceville was coaching Lincoln Trail, and he basically recruited all Red Hill Lawrenceville guys to play. Uh, but Bob Bowser hit 174, and I thought it was interesting, all-time leading Hitter at the time, Tony Bingo Holman hit 206, and it, it even mentioned that he raised his batting average 90 points in the last few games. So wow. that was a tough one for the guys there. Uh, Bowser played left field, Tony at third, and said Bowser spent some time on the mound. Um, uh, the board did finally accept the resignation of Bill Evans as coach. Bill Bryan, Dwayne Scott voted no, basically because they, they didn't, uh, they didn't know what they were going to do teacher-wise to be able to recruit a new coach, and uh, they wanted him to resign from everything. Um, so Chip will pick that story up here coming yep. up. May 15th, uh, girls track doing well. They've got a few people that qualified. Five people have qualified for the state track tournament. Uh, Tracy Coltis ran a school record 13 flat in the 100, and then the 400 relay, Jody Lawson, friend of the show that called in during the cheerleading episode. Mary Martha, Monica Cunningham, Tracy Coltis on that relay team. Uh, 99 kids are going to graduate. And uh, Chip, who was the valedictorian, salutatorian of that class? All right, your salutatorian. His name's been mentioned a lot, so he's getting it done not just on the fields and the courts, but also in the classroom. Salutatorian Clifford York. And then we had a three-way tie for valedictorian. We had Michael Freeman. Jennifer White and another person we've mentioned a lot on the show getting it done. Jimmy Athletics. Worth. No. Wasn't Jimmy Worth, but our valedictorian was Lance Smith. What a year he had. Our 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 you know, our third valedictorian was Lance Smith. Yeah, what a year he had. And and one yeah. thing I remember being at that graduation and I remember when they announced Scott Gasparic and as he was walking up they announced he had never missed a day of school from kindergarten to his senior year and That's i could so not even fathom that yeah i'm glad he got i'm glad he got recognized that that's amazing yeah as a teacher chip i'm sure you know um but yeah. uh, i didn't I mean, go i didn't you know i didn't miss a, a lot of school but i mean chicken pox just all the stuff you get as a as a kid growing up yeah to yeah. avoid that i mean that's amazing <laughs> Well, Red Hill got past Lawrenceville in the first round of the regional. Brandon got the win, uh, threw a four-hitter at him. And uh, at the same time, if you walked over or if you drove over to Vincennes in the movies, you'd probably see Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse, popular movie at the time. So then the, a few days later, they played Albion at Albion, lost 5-4. to four. Uh, Stacy uh, got the loss, uh, seven strikeouts in five and a half innings, threw a pretty good game. Um, Brandon came in and, and cleaned it up, but... Baseball season's over for this very talented class. Um, hit a lot of homers that year, and and uh, it, it ended up a pretty good record. Uh, during the sports awards for the girls, Angie Hardacre got the softball gold glove. Denise Bowser got the most rebounds on the basketball team and the most dedicated track performer. Uh, defense award went to Mary Martha. 
for basketball. Connie Collison got the captain's award for basketball. Tracy Coltus, obviously MVP of the track team. Mandy Cunningham, basketball MVP. I got to think it's because her dad's the coach. I don't know yeah. why she would be MVP. Oh, yeah. uh, Tammy Hardesty, <laughs> uh, most improved freshman. So we'll look for things and other podcasts from Tammy throughout her career. Jody York got the uh, the uh, best attitude for the softball team. You know when you're giving best attitude awards, the season didn't go real good. I got to think. But good job. And Tiffany Toole got the softball MVP. April Davis got the most improved on the track squad. And that will wrap up the spring of 1989. <laughs> Opening Friday, November 27th, 1981, Sports and Spurs, formerly Montana Clothing Company. If you're looking for sporting goods like tennis shoes, basketballs, footballs, and the like, or Western wear, boots, jeans, shirts, and jackets, or if you just want a really cool iron on your t-shirt, come to Sports and Spurs in Bridgeport. Owners Harold and Mary Lou Tucker invite you to come in and see all of the great sporting goods and Western wear. I think when I was first, um, when I drew summer, uh, you know, your first thought, there's not a lot to talk about because all the sports is Brian just talked about wrapped up. They've handed out their awards, but it was a busy summer. And it's, it's, you see a lot of the same names, but they're doing some, some different things here. So we're just going to go through several things that were happening that summer. Um, as we talked about the last time we did a year in report, the Alberts open tennis tournament was always a big deal. Yep. I know Gary, participated in so i not i do not think he participated this year his name was not listed in the sun commercial but the i think the previous two or three years he had participated so and when we talked in 82 83 doug hardacre was playing uh sea flight i believe so we we talked about how he was probably just getting into the game and at the 89 alberts open hardacre did finish second he was runner-up in the championship flight so he's definitely ascended to one of the best tennis players in the Lawrence Knox County area. And he worked hard at that. Point. It didn't just happen. Oh, I know yeah, when we did that other, yeah. Him up, at the, up at the park playing tennis. So he was, he was the runner up there. And then in the 14, 14, like the 13, 14 bracket, Chris Ralston was, uh, was a semifinalist in that bracket. So Chris is another one. And that was, that was Gary's primary playing partner and yep. doubles partner was Chris Ralston. So they played a lot of tennis together. So he, he was still, I know he'd gone over those previous years with Gary and played, but like I said, I don't think Gary was in it this year. I'm sure as Doug was driving over there on that Saturday morning to Vincennes, probably in that Sunday for his championship match, probably turned on either Casey Kasem or Rick D's listen to the top 40 and was probably listening to toy soldiers by Martika. When I think summer of 89, I think that's, <laughs> that's awesome. such so, a good it's, song. It's, it's, it's awesome. Great you know, video. <laughs> I think and it, I may be incorrect on this. That may have been my first cassette single because the, the cassette single didn't really catch on a lot 
it's basically a 45 record except on a cassette tape but i'll tell you two people it did catch on with and that's chip jamerson and david king um, <laughs> oh yeah loved cassette singles it may have not been my first Look, one I, looking I, I, you know knowing what we know now you know the technology we have at our fingertips now I, it just boggles my mind that I was willing to drive to Evansville, Indiana, an hour away <laughs> to buy one cassette single and come back. <laughs> but I did. Well, hey, look, you could listen to it all the way home. That's true. It's true. Yeah, I mean, you could get them at Walmart, but there was a much bigger selection of oh, disc well, jockey yeah, and so forth. You yeah. went to Evansville, you'd have a whole I'd look at Walmart, you know, if they didn't have, yeah. you know, <laughs> time to go to disc jockey or. So yeah, I was I was a young I was I I've had my driver's license since January at this point. So I just remember that singing in my car. So I may have had a few before that, but I associate that with that being my first yeah. cassette single. It's a couple a couple years away, but uh, you know it wasn't on cassette single, but that was the first song that ever played in uh, in my Cutlass. Wow! So a well, lot of there's a trivia question pulled out of the dealership, uh, pulled out of the dealership in Vincennes on onto uh, onto 41 there, and it fired right up. It's great. <laughs> Here's some, this was the big news at the IHSA this, that summer that, you know, when you think back to it, it makes sense, but the IHSA was investigating changing the rule that non-certified teachers could coach, which is pretty commonplace now. Yeah. Billy Gray, he's not a certified teacher or head uh, football coach, and several assistant coaches throughout the program are not certified teachers, but in eight in the summer of 89 they were looking at changing the rule and if you look at all those coaching staffs back then every single head coach and every single assistant coach junior high high wow. school and junior high may have been different because it's not i should say but definitely through the high school they every time all teachers except for chris goff so i yeah. guess this kind of blows my <laughs> but um so i'm not <laughs> sure how legal that was <laughs> that golf was coaching but, but you know that what was a i think chris golf might have been was he I think he maybe may have been student certified. Maybe he got, I don't I didn't know he went to he, college and got teaching. Or degree, he was but. student teaching possibly. Okay. That's okay. Student, you say that student teaching. That seems right. I think that might be right. I think he was student teaching that yeah. year. So. I think that's right. So your theory's right, not blown. So he wasn't, he wasn't around other years. Was he? That was just the only, year that was, a, I think so. So yeah. that makes sense. So yes. And obviously a big change. And I used to be, of the mindset probably because it's how I grew up and, and being one that I'm a teacher that it's best to have a teacher coaching. And I still think if you've got a good teacher that can coach, that's ideal. Someone that's in the building. But I think when programs are still 30 years later determined not to hire someone as a head coach or give them a chance because they're not a teacher, I don't always think that's the best move because there's a lot of programs out there that are being led by uh, non-certified teachers. So I think it was a good rule change. And but it's just you you couldn't survive this day without it because there's so few there's so right. many fewer teachers that want to coach and want to get involved with everything that goes along with it and everything you have to put up with. So well and that was part of the part of the reason the school board uh, two people on the school board voted no about Bill's resignation. Yeah so that works perfectly into that because they knew they would have to get it who else is going to be the head coach. I mean you've got Chris Goff, who was just student teaching, and Coach Kendall doesn't want the head coaching job. I guess they could have forced him into it, which would have been a great – I mean – Yeah, and it was mentioned in that article, um, I think it was Brian, that said we don't want to have to force people's hands into doing some – coaching a sport they don't want to coach. 
And my guess is if Fred Kindle gets forced into coaching that football team that fall, he's not around Red Hill very long. He's yeah. probably no. out as soon as he can <laughs> right. find another coaching job somewhere else. So whether that was, but he's really the only option. So you got to think that's who they were talking about when they were mentioning that. So, that, so, and obviously I didn't go any further than that, but obviously the rule was changed there. So let's see what else we got here. So a lot of the, the usual suspects, post-28 American Legion ball, they, they played 29 games that summer. They went 15 and 14. And some of the names now Legion, if you're not familiar with American Legion ball, it's not just by your town. This was a county team. So yep. this was an entire Lawrence County team. It was probably, I would say, slightly more Lawrenceville players than, than Red Hill players. But Stacy Moore was – Obviously, a standout on that team, Lance Smith, Clifford York, Jimmy Worth, uh, Brandon. It's it's for 16, 17, 18-year-olds. So, Brandon would have been 16 that summer. So, Brandon was playing Legion ball. Steve Wagner was – he had graduated the year before, but he had a late birthday. So, Steve was 18 and playing on the Legion team. Darby yeah. Wagner was a 16-year-old. So those I can't believe that names. team was 500. Yeah, and it, looking at some early articles, they got off to a good – I think at one point, one article, they were like eight and three or so. So they must have hit a dry spell at, at one point. I will have to – if anybody from the Daily Records out there listening, your newspapers in 1989, they only go to June 30th, and they start up again October 2nd. So I didn't get a lot – as much July information, but most of it's in the June area. So um, so the – as I say, these, these same guys playing together from the time they were little kids – up till now, that cohesiveness. The uh, All NEC baseball team was announced, and first team: Stacy Moore, Brandon Smith, and Jim Worth were first team All NEC in baseball. And second team were was Lance Smith and Clifford York. Some of Brandon's Brandon was also All Vincent Sun Commercial All Area First Team designated hitter, and Stacy Moore was All Area First Team shortstop. Uh, Brandon as a sophomore that year. That's pretty uh, impressive as a sophomore. Yeah, hit 482 with uh, three oh, dongs wow. and 20, 20 RBIs. Uh, Jim Worth had seven home runs, 24 RBIs, hit 392. Stacy hit 364 that spring. And Jimmy, uh, I don't know about Jim Worth was honorable mention all area in the Sun commercial. I got to think there's somebody from Revay or Lincoln or South mm-hmm. Knox that he should have gotten that over, but. Um, we'll get into that with David Staver maybe on a later mm-hmm. episode. Babe Ruth leagues, Babe Ruth. Now that's your 13, 14, 15 year olds. I, I honestly do not have any little league information because I didn't really know much about it. And there weren't anything in the day. There wasn't anything in the daily record, but I definitely got your Babe Ruth information for you. Uh, Brino, our host, Brian Emmons was the coach <laughs> what, what of do? the Bridgeport Bulldogs. There was two Bridgeport teams and four Lawrenceville teams. And Brian O coached the Bridgeport team and Gary was the ace on the mound. I believe that would have been just Gary. That would have been Gary's 14 year old year. So yeah. Yeah. Cause you just finished eighth grade. So this is Gary's 14 year old year. So I'm pretty sure he was, he and Kelly Tucker seem to be doing the majority of the pitching. Yeah. And the Matt McCullough, he mentioned, actually mentioned this season on his podcast. He was, you know, one of the, one of the key hitters on the team. Uh, Robert Kennedy was getting his name in the in the in the paper for some base hits here and there. Scott Murray, who had been working on his basketball game, had also been 
playing a lot of baseball. He was a key player in that Bulldogs team. Jason Edwards led us in a pitch, led the Bulldogs. I say us because I was a Bulldog at one point, and I was the statistician. I had graduated from Babe Ruth League, but Brian let me be the statistician on this team, so I was there for all this. Um, Jason Edwards was pitching. Uh, Matt McCullough had a five-hit game. You don't see that a lot in, in Babe Ruth League. Um, and was this the year that Matt McCullough had the 30-30? I believe season? so. Yeah, I believe so. 30 stolen bases and 30 base hits. Yeah. So that's wow. And um, <laughs> I, that's I mean, moment like, yeah, it was a good I don't season. know how, how good my score. Key, I mean, I'm sure Matt was close from 30, but yeah, you're I solely gotta responsible. I, I got to think I was giving him stolen bases on pass balls and things <laughs> like that. I don't, I'm not, that's a lot of stolen bases. <laughs> that's a lot of stolen bases for, I don't know how many games we played. But, <laughs> right. But hey. So I'm guessing pass balls were included, wild pitches. Um, the Bridgeport Merchants were the other Bridgeport team, and they, the Bulldogs had kind of dominated for several years. And this was the year that the Merchants, um, I believe became maybe not just the better team in Bridgeport, but the best team in the whole Babe Ruth League. They were really good. Uh, I think Galen Holtz coached this team. He'd been building this team for this season with a lot of his guys he'd had in the Little League ranks. Tommy Halfacre, um, Rob Waller, Eric Holtz, uh, tennis player Chris Ralston, Jay Wilcox, Willie Williams. They were just destroying um, everybody. Just looking at some of the scores. Um and interesting enough, uh, Rodney Roderick was on this team. So Rodney had already moved to Paris at this point. He'd spent his freshman year at Paris. But I assume he must have been a merchant in his 13- and 14-year-old year. So they brought him back down, and he came down from Paris and played for the merchants that summer. So um, I don't remember that, but knowing at the time how competitive Galen Holtz was, and especially with those Lawrenceville coaches and me, um, that doesn't surprise me a bit. And his name didn't appear a lot in the scorebooks or in the article, so I'm guessing he maybe wasn't there every game. But it's more like, hey, when you can make it down here, you've got a uniform and you got a, you got a spot in the lineup card whenever you can make it down here. We might have to do um, an inquiry in that. I don't know how legal that is. <laughs> Protest. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. And Brian mentioned earlier the county was we we're getting ready for the Capital Classic, so there was still a little more information on that. So Brian pretty much covered that. Uh, the cheerleaders that we talked about back in episode three, talked with in episode three, they were actually named to the IBCA All-Star Game, which Illinois basketball coaches All-Star Game, where it's the best players in the, in the state of Illinois. Oh, wow. Uh, played up in Peoria at the time, and they were the cheerleaders for the AA All-Star Game um, that evening up in Peoria. So quite an honor to get named of you know all the cheerleading squads across Illinois to be the one that was picked for that. Uh, Chris Reynolds, who went on to play four years at Indiana, um, was the MVP that night for the AA All-Star team, now the Bradley AD. I got some swim team news here. I, I found some information Wait. on one sw swim team. Really? Well, wow. Yeah. Um, some notable Lawrence County, the, the match I found, we, I mean, Big win over Flora. So some big wins over Flora in 89. Uh, a 410 to 185 victory, the Lawrence County swim team. Dominating. Uh, yeah, I mean, 96 grab Melissa Greenlee. I believe all these these three are all from 96. Uh, Melissa Greenlee, Devin DeRee, Holly Moore placing in multiple events. And 1990 grad Sonia Holtz uh, putting, up, uh, putting up some big numbers 
for for the swim team. And on the boys' side, 1997 grad Jared Bryan is just a nine. He was in the nine ten division at that time. Had five seconds and a third. So wow. he had six events. So um, it, it's scary to think about if Red Hill would have had a swim team, how good no we kidding. could have been in in the years down the road with especially those ninety six and ninety seven classes. Yeah. Um, down to Tri State Speedway. You guys ever been to Hobstadt? And to only a couple anybody? of times. Yes, okay, I have. I've been once. It was fun. It was it was a fun night, but um, I just had to mention Terry Messenger. I'm mean, no no surprise to anyone. Terry Messenger near the points, top of the points in the late model. He's from at that time was living in Chansey, and his daughter Tiffany is a friend of the friend of the podcast. So um, he, I think, he his name was a constant in the daily record week after week for um, yeah how it, well he did with all that. the time. Yeah, I remember that. Got some archery news for you here. Um, not only did Tommy, Tommy Halfacre won the youth, but his dad, Tom Halfacre Jeez. Sr., was in the top three in the fingers class. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> the fingers class is listed first. So I'm assuming it's the most important. It's like the top class to be in. But, Break up uh, the Halfacre. Four guys here that know nothing about archery. <laughs> just throwing out these terms. <laughs> I mean, fingers might be you throw the damn thing like a dart. I have no idea. Yeah, and I don't know if maybe it's like you can't, like you you can't use like a, because uh, sometimes you have like a one of those uh, like protected, like a glove you wear on your hand. If you have to go like non, like non-archery glove and that's, do it. That's, that, sounds, no, that's, that sounds right. I'm just, I'm making this up as I go. I had not making up Tom's exploits, but making yeah. up, you know, thinking this off the top of my head. Now, what I believe that score earlier from Tommy was a two twenty three back in April or so, something like that. Uh, two oh, I think he went up to two oh three from one ninety six. Okay, well, this is June thirteenth, Brian. This isn't much further down the road. Tommy put up a two forty nine. Whoa, he's getting better. Which you know, he's, all, he's all warm. He's all warmed up from the spring now, going into the yeah. summer months. He's so yeah, he's doing the, the strides. The, he's on that dominant merchants team, and then on the weekends, he's archery out at Red Hill. So he had a big. He got his, I didn't realize Tommy pitched as a freshman on the varsity team. So well, that was during this time. So I'm about mid June now. I know a lot. I was actually probably maybe about the only guy, and and I was and I didn't hide it at all, and I still and I still don't hide it. I was a huge New Kids on the Block fan. I know they catered mostly to girls, but um, I'm a boy band fan. I'm a New Kids fan. I still am a New Kids fan. Went to a concert a few years ago, and uh, not afraid to admit that. And they had one of their biggest hits during the summer of 1989. Jordan Knight on lead vocals with I'll Be Loving You Forever. Yeah, great song, great song. And great, great album, the Hanging Tough album. So the, let's see here. I, and I got to give a, a shout out to me here because this didn't happen very often. So while this while we're in the sp spring summer of '89, um, the honor roll was listed in the paper, and I I made honor roll. Uh, the, oh, good job, Chip! Uh, for the fourth quarter, so it was <laughs> I wasn't in there a lot of quarters during high school. So the fact that I was in on the honor roll that during the season that I got to cover, I have to give myself some credit on that, and it was. 
I think my senior year, I made it more because I took a, I had a pretty easy, a much easier course load. But you know, here I had composition, geometry, chemistry. I we mentioned Denise Bowser earlier. I got to give her and David C a lot of credit. I know they helped me a lot through chemistry. So and then Spanish too. Um, our snowball queen Christy Battles have helped me a lot in there. So uh, thanks to those for helping uh, getting me that honor. And da and David King was also on the honor roll, but he was on it every quarter, yeah. so it wasn't as big a deal. For good for job, honor roll or high honor roll? Oh my god! I was gonna say as a freshman, probably his honors, wasn't it? You were just honors that <laughs> yeah. year, that that quarter, yeah. Yeah. A uh, few things on the national scene. Rick Pitino was hired at Kentucky. That was after the fallout with Eddie Sutton and so forth. So obviously went on a, he was successful immediately and um, they've been successful ever since then. So that was a huge hire in college basketball. Uh, the big story in the, in national sports that was, it was the whole Pete Rose investigation was that summer of 89. Mm, yep. uh, you know, he is eventually banned from baseball and um, let's see. I came across an article because I was looking at movies from the summer of 89. I found an article that was, um, as the New York Post, you know, not always the most um, well thought of publication, but it was a good article um, asking the question, was the summer of 89 the greatest summer for movies ever? So I'll just throw out and you can kind of, it, it's pretty impressive. I'm just Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I've never seen an Indiana Jones movie, but I know that people that like them um never seen an indiana jones movie i've never seen never i seen never Raiders have either yeah i've never seen really <laughs> great movie <laughs> oh yeah i mean well yeah you know, sit down spend an afternoon watch the trilogy it's great <laughs> so yeah that led off uh, memorial day weekend and then just the hits just kept on coming uh dead poets society i have seen that and i love that movie great i movie. haven't seen it for probably 25 years but um I need to see it again. It's great. Uh, Star Trek Five. Not a big Star Trek guy, but I'm sure King saw Star Trek Five: The Final eh, Frontier. Probably not. That's I'm the not, Final I'm Frontier. Not, I'm actually not a Star Trek guy either. So. so I don't know if this was the final Star Trek. I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure there's yeah. been more <laughs> since then. Um, yeah. A James Bond movie came out that summer. License to Kill. Um, Ghostbusters Two. Um, with I didn't have this song queued up as one of my songs, but On Our, On Our Own by Bobby Brown was a huge song from that movie uh batman uh, major blockbuster i saw that movie with gary emmons we went to see that the i think we were at the plaza mm -hmm. um one night um honey i shrunk the kids came out the same day oh what a great song that was <laughs> um you got bat dance i, I consider putting this is one of my songs but um I never was a huge fan of that song, but I think I, I don't know. Gary just always liked, liked that. It was a number one song. Obviously, a lot of people liked it. Gary always liked that song, um, but I don't know. Maybe I didn't get it as much. I think I would understand it more now. as more just if it wasn't in the norm because it was different than anything else in the radio. Right, I think was yeah. why I didn't like it as much. Um, a movie that David's surprised I've never seen uh, besides Indiana Jones, Karate Kid Part 3. It came out that summer. It's not good, but I'm surprised you never saw it. <laughs> um, it's, got some, it's got some good moments. It's just not overall. I not think good. we discussed it on another podcast. This had Ralph Macchio, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. this is the one with Hillary Swank. Yeah, I don't yes. think I saw that either, and I don't even know if I, – I don't think I even knew it existed. 
Oh, yeah, yeah so. David asked me a few months ago. He sent me a text about it because I know the, the next season of Cobra Kai is going to play off some of the things in Karate Kid two and three. And I just had to flat out admit I don't think I've ever seen that movie. No, I I, I don't know. Um, and I saw a lot of these movies. I don't know why I skipped them because I consider myself a big Karate Kid fan. Um, Weekend at Bernie's that movie is hilarious. About as um, hardest I've ever laughed in a movie. Maybe I I loved it at the time. Uh, Lethal Weapon Part Two. Uh, Peter Pan was re-released. When Harry Met Sally, Weird Al Yankovic's UHF, Friday the 13th Part. Let me do my Roman numerals here. Part 8, Turner and Hooch. Um, Terrible. saw that with Gary also. Terrible. Uh, Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Parenthood, which, you know, sprung the show later on. Uh, Uncle Buck. I think I saw that with maybe both Edmonds brothers. Um, or... Yeah, I always, I always get Uncle Buck and Back to School mixed up. I think Back to School is what I saw at the Emmons yep, Brothers. Both of us. So all three of it's us a pretty there. pretty loaded um, summer at the movies. So, so definitely, I'd have to rank, you have to look at the other summers, but definitely in the conversation for greatest. Anybody here ever go to Pop's Pizza to eat? Love I had I forgot all about Pop's I had completely, <laughs> I saw this article that you're going to talk about. I completely erased that from my memory until I saw that article. I've never been to Pop's myself. Um, I had forgotten about it until I saw that. I didn't really, get, I didn't read the article. I just saw the ads in the paper for it. They were pushing it hard that June. Uh, I don't think it, I don't know how long it survived. It, you know, you, it's tough to start a pizza shop in uh, Lawrenceville going against both. Uh, Procopio's is great. Keep in mind, I didn't, I didn't eat a both until I was in college. Oh God. So yeah. <laughs> so no pops here. And while pizza the had her, pizza had her bust for the King family. While the Cubs were on their way to a division title that year, uh, I know I was listening a lot to one of my all-time favorite songs still to this Right Here Waiting came out late in that summer. Didn't this song tie into a family trip in Florida for you, Chip? Right? Yeah, that's what yeah. I that's why I always remember. I remember hearing it, and that's when I really started loving this. Like that July is when I really got into it. And I, I was about to finish up my one of my, my biggest story. I didn't even have it written down because I just knew I was gonna talk about it. So we talked about Coach Evans was Coach Evans resigned back in April, and um they have filled his coaching position with who'd they hire? Bob Bagby was was <laughs> hired. He had come down from Alden Hebron. Um, so he was not, he'd had no ties to the area at all, had never lived down here, um, just came down here. But I mean, you know, you're coming off of the great, you know, a nine and two football season. So it was obviously a big time job and, you know, one of the best conferences in the area in Southern Illinois, at least. So um, Bob Bagby was hired. So we all played for coach Bagby. We'll do a whole Bob Bagby episode later. That'd be an so interesting one, yeah. We're not going to get into all the ins and outs as coaching and whether you like Coach Bagby or didn't like Coach Bagby. I think, are you guys good with that? We'll save yeah. that for yeah. another episode. I'll just I'll just say one quick thing. Love him or hate him, that guy can motivate. Oh, he's a great mother. Young coach, came <laughs> tw tw 26 years old. Um, and, so, and I know on the Facebook page, you know, some people have thrown out some pretty negative stuff about him and, and maybe – you know, maybe valid, went on to some real success after he left Red Hill. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people that talk that he can't coach, I mean, he left Red Hill, 
went to Porta up in Petersburg, Illinois by Springfield and had an instant, um, had coached playoff teams there, went to Springfield Southeast, who's always bad at football. And they're, I mean, they're, because they're playing SHG up there, Springfield High, Lanfear's not great, but it's a, in Chatham, good conference. Southeast is a horrible football program. Took Southeast to the playoffs. Um, I said Lanfear didn't have, he had later coached at Lanfear in Springfield, uh, took them to the playoffs, yeah. who Lanfear never, they're a basketball school. They never do anything at football. So I don't, he must be doing something right. If he's consistently taking everybody else to playoffs, he, he knew yeah. he, it was a well, tough situation. Wait, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a tough situation for him and we had this law. I mean, we talked about the 88 football team earlier. We lost all that team except yeah. three, three uh, returning yeah, no yeah, question. Three, it was, three it was tough. Just, you had 13 seniors you lost. You brought back, you know, Shane Brown, Jesse Meadow were good, were key contributors. Uh, Les Baker uh-huh. and Kelly Tidwell were sophomores on right. that team and earned letters. So, yeah, those four returning lettermen back, uh, we we flat, we didn't have a lot of talent. There, there was yeah. a lot of athletes not that yeah. you know, chose not for chose not to play football that fall. Yeah. Right. And, um, so. And, and and we're not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, I, I don't know he did a fantastic job, but he was under some really tough circumstances and, sure. again, went on to some, some real success. So just to say, well, he's terrible, he can't coach, eh, I don't know about that. But, I mean, how bad did we think we were going to be Casey week one? That, that's, that falls. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dave talked about him being a motivator, and he, um, uh, yeah, I mean, he had us believing we were going to be state you know, I'll, year never, year I'll never forget the first play of that game. Casey had the ball. Kelly Tidwell broke through the line and dropped their dropped their uh, running back in the backfield for like a three yard loss, and thought that was it. We're good. We're on our way. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he great didn't quite, motivator. Didn't had quite his, work out. And even we lost that game. I think forty to nothing or something like thirty nine yeah, to nothing, something to like nothing. that. <laughs> and then we lost to Salem fifty to nothing the next week, but. And even going into Mount, we're starting to think, okay, we may not, this may not be a great season, but still, uh, he, you know, yeah. throughout almost the whole season, his always yeah. kept a, yeah. a positive attitude. Yeah. And uh, so I enjoy it. He was fun to play for. Um, so, and I know he, people that had him as a teacher at the junior high, they enjoyed having him as a teacher. He's a real good guy. You know, I went to end up teaching at Athens, it was my first teaching stuff. I taught there for 15 years. And he was actually the principal at Athens High School. I taught the elementary school. So, um, and had no idea he, when I got the job there, had no idea that he got hired that same spring that I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, shocking when I walked I remember in, when you said that. Yeah, we were all shocked. Oh, I was feeling it. I was there filling out paperwork, all the tax stuff. I was sitting in the unit office filling out all this. And um, he walked by and I was, and I thought that was, I was like, that, so I went and asked the unit, the unit secretary, was that Bob Bagby that just walked by? And she said, oh, yeah, we just hired him as our new principal. So, I mean, it's one of those small, small world type yeah. things like that, that we both end up getting hired the same spring yeah, at this school that I'd never even heard of before until I got the job there. So so he left coaching for a little bit, went into administration, and then went back into coaching and yeah. finished his career. Where's he at now? Um, he just um, – he was the Lincoln High School, super Lincoln north of Springfield. He was the superintendent there. And then – uh, resigned, I think, two years ago, and took an interim job um, at somewhere over in the Crescent Iroquois area. 
one of those schools over there. Yeah. He took an interim superintendent's job last year, I think. So he's hmm. retired now. I don't know if he's doing interim work now, but yeah. Um, so he he'd be you know mid late fifties now, fifty six. Yeah. Huh. So interesting. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, I, I would love and. I think I have enough of a connection with him that we could definitely have him on the show sometime. Yeah, it'd be a good show. I, I think people would be interested. He'd be, a, in he'd be a blast to talk with. I, I think there's that. a lot of people that don't know what he did when he left Red Hill, so that'd be interesting. Yeah. And I believe that wraps up um, the summer of 89. I think it's uh, safe to say one of the great years, school years in Red Hill sports history, one of the great, if not the greatest class to go through, Stacy Lance, Clifford, Jimmy, all the guys that that we've already mentioned in this podcast, and and uh, it was it was a fantastic year. Yeah, I, I agree. Hate, I just hate that those guys never got a reach. I just never got a title in basketball or baseball. I just hate that for them that they never got over that hump and uh, such a fantastic group. They just never got it. Good players, yeah, good people, good. They knew how to have fun. Uh, it they're they're some of they're some of the most special people that that uh, that you'll know. Yeah, I know that '92 regional that McCullough talked about when he was on. I mean, that was it was obviously huge for those guys. But and I I felt like I think they felt like they were kind of winning that for guys like Lance and Stacy and Brandon and Clifford and all those guys that didn't get that regional title in basketball. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that is going to wrap up 1988 and 1989 at Red Hill High School. It was a lot of fun. Uh, watch the Facebook page for what's going to be coming up next. Um, under the Impulse Radio banner, uh, it, probably not many people are interested in uh, in Bar-Eve and Davis County, Indiana sports, but there is a podcast called Birdies, Bourbon, and Basketball that, uh, that I co-host. Um, Coming in October, the Chip and Brino Show. We're going to talk about music and movies and pop culture, things like that. So watch out for that. And then uh, speaking of Davis County, under the Impulse Radio banner, um, we're going to start just this coming week. Mike DeCourcy is going to host the uh, Bar Reeve podcast that uh, focuses on Bar Reeve sports. So lots of good things happening. If your business wants to advertise and reach customers right there in the Bridgeport area, just get a hold of us on Facebook, and we'll be happy to help you out with that. Thanks to our sponsors right now, Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport, People's State Bank, and we've got some other people that are going to be coming online soon. So please let them know that you heard about their business on the Old School Podcast. We'd really appreciate it. For Gary Emmons, David King, Chip Jamerson, myself, Brian Emmons, thank you so much for listening. We're going to going to uh, be coming with some more really good shows coming up so watch all the information on that and i'd like to say one more time we are red hill